0: Welcome to the big 100.
1: Yeah, 100 episodes, Beef Sticks Podcast. Whoever would have thought we made it this far.
0: And we're keeping it 100, Pasty. That's right. That means next week episode is 100, and the week's episode after that is 100. They're all 100 okay, going you forward. I
1: worried. You said we're keeping it 100. I was like, oh, this Ooh. is the last one? Shit. No,
0: no, I just mean that they're all going to be 100 after this. Season two, episode one hundred, next week.
1: Should we just encroach on Conan's territory and just change the podcast name to keep it at one hundred?
0: Yeah, I think we'd <laughs> lose that one. I mean we did completely jack it from him for this episode. Yeah, we did. But I figured it was fitting.
1: I think so. I think he could appreciate
0: that. I would hope he would. He's not as he's not as particular as Taz. Taz would be on it if we had some kind of thirteen or WTF on there. Or FTW even. WTF. What the fuck?
1: WTF what are you talking about? God, not only is it our hundredth episode, but it is the National Day of Stoners, 420. Woo right! Can you believe,
0: Pasty, that we're in the middle of a four-day holiday run? Is it a four four-day holiday run? Yesterday was good Friday. Oh, I sp- and it was good. Called, it was very a beautiful good. Beautiful fucking day today. And then um today is 420. One of the best holidays, best holidays of all. Tomorrow is Easter, so we got Easter. Yes, indeed. And Monday is Earth Day, which you yes. have to celebrate by smoking some of the earth, buddy. So we're in the middle of a four-day holiday stretch.
1: Making it the busiest weekend of all time. This is going to be crazy. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. Friday, Saturday, Sunday,
0: Monday, nonstop. Plus the 100th anniversary in the middle of that. That's the biggest holiday of them all, pasty.
1: You're right. You're damn right it is. I'd like to sit here and count for you or name off every podcast that never made it to 100 episodes, but I won't.
0: If you go walk down the beach and look at all the grains of sand, there are more podcasts that did not make it to 100 than grains of sand on the beach.
1: And we've come a long way since episode one, back when it <laughs> took us eight hours to get two hours of material. We sure have worked on it, haven't we? Yeah. How do <laughs> we what do we say? Well, yeah, like, oh, man, it took let's us let's forever.
0: Quality's improved we pulled a TNA there where we ended up going live and then we, and then we cut back going live so yeah. <laughs> we're right well, it would up be there a with T if
1: we weren't three hours removed from each other oh man it then would we make it so much easier a whole lot more and yeah not have to deal with internet connection issues but I
0: definitely yeah. like how far we've come we've, we've streamlined the show better most weeks I'll admit most weeks. We've got some reoccurring segments that our fans seem to love. It's been such a fun road, and Pasty, I wouldn't have wanted to go down this road with anyone else other than you, man.
1: Hey, I knew from the day I met you, we could sit and talk forever, and I think people could sit and listen to us forever, too. Too right. Sometimes we're at each other's throats. But the best of
0: family is, you know?
1: No doubt. We have a good time. Good time. Cheers to that, brother. Yes, yes. Mine's already open, so I'll... It's just a high-voltage Mountain Dew, folks. Don't get excited. Sorry, but when I celebrate my holiday, I celebrate my holiday. I hear
0: you, my friend. I'd be right there. Actually, I'm celebrating the holiday. I'm just doing it slightly
1: different. Cheech and Chong Marathon! There you go, buddy. I started watching the Trailer Park Boys animated series last night. That's pretty fucking good. A lot of people like them. You've never given them the chance.
0: I've given them the chance. I just, I, it's just not my style. The animated series is
1: ludicrously funny. I've only watched the first couple episodes, but I loved it so much. Right. They brought Jim Leahy back from the dead, kind of, but they use like audio samples of him from the show over time. So it's like Chef in the the end episode?
0: Yeah, just just not done as poorly on purpose. Yeah, and it's throughout the series. (laughs) Hey there, children! How are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I love the way they made it so horrible.
1: I wish there was more of that. They should have just kept him around like that, to be honest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there would have been lawsuits involved. If there wasn't already, there possibly was a lawsuit for that episode. I'm not even sure. Who knows?
1: Well, I know one thing, since it's our 100-episode celebration, our centennial celebration. Yes, sir. We dropped the sponsors for this week. We love them. Oh, no. We still need them. We'll pick them up next week. This week, it's about us. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Fat Mac.
0: Well, I started life out as a woman, spent several years burning down schools, Before I found the love of my life, a John Deere tractor. We moved to Hoboken and opened up a chair lunch dinner right across the street from a bed and breakfast. How could you go wrong? Bed and breakfast there, chair lunch dinner here. But we ended up going bankrupt. Uh, The tractor had to sell herself for money for a while. Uh, I took up sucking dick for crack, and that's where I met Pasty. You know, I was a slob in the knob, and um, he started s- talking about wrestling. And
1: I tried to tell him I didn't have crack, but he was just like, uh, "What?" Well, the, the knob seemed so schlobable. <laughs> you look a little dry, buddy. He says.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's the story of Fat Mac.
1: Uh,
0: where do you come from, Pasty?
1: Well, I'm not as good on the spot with the with the fucking improv as you are. But a city boy half my life, a country boy the other. I was always driven by something. The will to create, the will to break the mold and not just fall along the lines of modern society. I always wanted to start a band. It never worked out. So I decided to be a little bit more self-sufficient where I fell into the rap music. Met up with a boy's Strategy. We went on a rap rampage for years through the Minnesota music scene as the Northern Lights. I mean, we're still around.
0: And trust me, it was a much better rampage than the uh, Dwayne Johnson. Oh one. yeah, no,
1: this was this was like the the original NES game. I guess there you could you go, go as far as the N64 games, but
2: we or all know the NES
0: as, was the best. Or even go as original as the arcade,
1: which was even better. But you had to pay quarters for that shit. What was that the end of the story? No. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we, we opened for some pretty big names, such as Cut Calhoun and Hobson, fucking Scatterman and Snug Brim from Tech Nines' record label, all over the place for a long time, and then we all started to have children, and things slowed down, and I found myself in a little southwestern town of Redwood. Looks beautiful, until you live there.
0: <laughs> right. It's a nice place to visit. <laughs> Oh you said I rode down to Redwood I wouldn't go down that road
1: It was a, a strange turn of events That ripped me away from music and threw me Extremely far away From my comfort zone But if it wasn't N-T-M, for that I, I never would have met this guy right here next to me I say next to me But I mean spiritually I know it, we're right there This guy here we're inside t- of me. There, that That's we're, better, we're, that's the way we'll go We're docking And I wouldn't have it any other way
2: Oh, hell yeah! Mm-hmm. Does anybody have you a gold for Steve Austin? Wanna, oh, hell yeah! Wanna, wanna. Oh, hell yeah! El sol es muy aburrido, ahora será más divertido! You got a pen, give it to me, jackass! Wanna, 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 wanna. Oh, hell yeah! Don't you want want don't you want te gusta el sabor, Nadando en tu boca no hay nada mejor! quieres? Mm-hmm. Hello,
1: Let's talk about something quick that doesn't work. Mm. It's sizzling. Flame broiled. 100% beef, folks. What do we got to bitch about this week?
0: Pacey, we got to bitch about something so bad that I actually bitched to you about it before you watched it, and I never even watched it. (laughs) (laughs) I was
1: like, what is is he talking about? I'll find out tomorrow. And then I watched it, and I'm like, oh, that's what you were talking about. Yeah, this makes me very mad.
0: So for those of you who don't know, which it's most of you probably do, because it's kind of the talk of the town. Yeah. Our beef is with, our 100% beef is with the Viking Express.
1: Experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, Viking Experience. Thank you, Pasty. Express would even be better. <laughs> yes, it would. Um, yeah, Viking Experience, um, we, we had, that's a we thing, had... folks.
1: Come up with a bunch of better names than the Viking Express. One Just off the top of our dome. The Norse
0: Horseman, and I like that. Yeah, I loved that. I loved that, and I thought you could even get, like, Lars Sullivan and and, uh, and Killian Day Murder on there and stuff. And there you go. Make them a, a four horseman Norseman's. I thought it'd be great. <laughs> but no, what happened, in fact, as we know, WWE is notorious for shortening perfectly good monikers of wrestlers. But this time, they've taken the quote-unquote creative path to change war raiders, who were formerly War Machine, to the Viking Experience. And not, not only is that bad enough, but then they changed their names from Hansen and Roe, which not only are their actual names, but just sound like monsters. Yeah. They changed it from Hansen and Rowe, and you're like, oh, shit— they made it something bigger and better, right? They changed it to Eric and Ivar, or Ivar. The two I'm not most sure which
1: generic one. Viking names you could possibly come up with. So now we've got a
0: longer and generic name for a site attraction at, like, a Minnesota football game, or maybe an exhibit at your local museum. Paired with Alistair Black and Ricochet, though, Pacey, the War Raiders just put on the best opening match in TakeOver history.
1: So we said possibly on the last episode of B6 podcast. Exactly. And just two weeks later,
0: they have been bastardized and ruined by this this glorious main roster that everybody's supposed to work towards and toil for and, and just want to grasp this. This is the brass fucking ring they talk about. And I make it worse, pasty. And we all know that, that Michael Cole makes us groan, but we also ha- all have to understand that he's being fed these lions probably by Vince McMahon himself.
1: Definitely by Vince McMahon himself. And he Cole didn't want to say it. You could. It sounded like, I don't want to say this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he literally said, and I quote, This isn't a gimmick. They live this. They eat raw meat. <laughs> so folks stay tuned for eric and ivar coming to plunder and pillage your town and rape your women and livestock god i
1: thought vince loved big men why would he go to bury them so hard he didn't even do uh, he did terrible by heavy machinery granted they are more of a a, a comic gimmick but uh, it bothers me he's really been burying a
0: lot of the big well you can't even say that he's been burying a lot of the people that just come to WWE,
1: yeah. But I mean, in general, NXT. a lot of the big dudes, Braun Strowman. You know, you'd yep. think that was Vince's wet dream. Oh, for sure.
0: You got even the you know Sanity as bigger guys.
1: I know he had the Big Show out in a fucking diaper. Uh, as I was gonna say you can't say as much about Big Show, yeah. but
0: Big Show to give him. I don't. I don't know that anybody would have been able. Big Show's just got the problem of being too big
1: not on the same uh, level great call he does
0: well no no big show at least has wrestling but i mean like from a uh, from a booking standpoint or a story writing standpoint it's hard to ever make him believably an underdog without making him goofy and weird you know you had andre back in the day and you only seen him four times a year so he could be dominant every single time yeah and you got big guys you know nowadays that you know, are dominant, but then Roman Reigns can take him down and this and that. It's like, big show. I mean, WCW couldn't make him work. WWE couldn't make him work. I think he is just... He was cursed by his own size. He's a little too big to actually be in the main event. Otherwise, it's like, who beats him? Yeah. They still... Gave up a long time ago and put him in a diaper. You could, you could not have him in the main event without putting him in a diaper. Right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> he doesn't have
0: to be the New Year's baby. Definitely. That that wasn't uh didn't have you to happen. You don't have
1: to have Braun Strowman tag team with a twelve year old kid at WrestleMania.
0: No, in fact, most people would say you shouldn't.
1: Uh, and these guys, they're big dudes who can fucking move. I don't understand oh. why the Viking experience.
0: Yeah, I know the War Raiders sort of had, like, a Viking-esque theme to it, which was cool.
1: There's plenty of other ways to paint the picture without basic, blatantly stating Viking, though. You know what I mean?
3: You oh, could it's have, like, have something,
1: something to do with Raiders. <laughs> I don't like experience, either. Because experience is, like, almost the as good as the real thing. You know what I mean? It's right. Like, like a cover band, or what have you. But it's... <sighs> But they but they live this. It's real. It's not a gimmick, but it's the experience. It's kind of like what the Vikings were like.
0: It's like, what is this, the fucking 80s where we just dress people up in random fucking outfits and throw them out there? And with that being said, at one point, I, I have heard that the original name for them was going to be the Berserkers. Um... Sorry, Pasty, I'm typing and I know you don't like that, but I was gonna. We forgot to look up ahead of time whether the Berserker was actually still alive or not.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I wanted to look that up. There was a wrestler named the Berserker.
0: There was, and I could maybe see that's why they don't want to.
1: I mean, but they could just bring him on and pay him a manager's salary. And why wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, he is still alive. He's not dead. I like the
1: Berserkers, but I still think it needs to have. I like two words war raiders, war machine. The Viking experience I don't like, and like Machine
0: raiders Raiding machines isn't Vince, I mean,
1: gonna, you isn't Vince gonna regret that? He took a sh- relatively short name And made it longer Isn't that harder for merchandise? Yeah I mean maybe, that's why he cuts not. everybody's fucking name down to one syllable
0: How long pasty before people start having VX signs In the fucking <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna
0: have glow sticks for VX <laughs> Just hand out four glow sticks Make a V, make an X <laughs> hey! It's VX Baby the Viking Experience!
2: Thanks for the Rice of Hass! the, generation! the generation, yes! <laughs>
4: You think you
2: can tell us what to do? You know who you're talking to!
0: This is just just awful. Sometimes, you know, we nitpick and we find things that are wrong and then some things are bad, but it's like, okay, I can kind of see it. This one allegedly pasty came out at like the 11th hour. Like they were scrambling to come up with a name and somebody so just then
1: call them war Raiders for the week and change it when you got a better idea
0: or just call them the Raiders for the week or just call them Hanson and Rowe for the I'm week saying, and come up with he a He
1: never changes the name of anybody On their debut on Raw, he usually waits a little while and then changes it.
0: Yeah, and I I get, and I guess we haven't brought this up, and we really should. It seems like the main reason, and an understandable reason, is that in this day and age, plus with the publicly traded company and the PG atmosphere, they don't want somebody with the name War in their name. They don't like using the word War, and I get that, and I understand that. That, truly understandable to me. Um, I think they could do it. I don't what think War Machine war is a... What um,
1: about it's not, every I mean, time they advertise the Monday Night Wars?
0: Yeah, but that's...
1: What about War Well, War Games
0: was on NXT, which War Raiders were on. Saudi
1: Arabia doesn't have war well, all over Well, yes, let's... <laughs>
0: so, but another good reason why they would want to distance themselves from the name war, so that the next Saudi Arabia show they have, which they are going to have multiple this year... The news industries can't say, plus they have a team called the War Raiders. So I get that. I get that. But like you said, Pacey, just bring them out as Hanson and Roe on the first event and give your writing staff, give your creative team a chance to come up with something. Now, with that Honestly, being said. I'd be okay with just calling them Hanson and Roe. WWE has changed names multiple times within multiple weeks anyways. It
1: will probably happen here. Yeah,
0: it is possible by this next Monday or two Mondays from now. They have a completely different name. Or so. after
1: all the backlash, Vince just digs his heels in <laughs> deeper.
0: Exactly. Uh, but this one's just bad. There's really, there's I do really think it's no funny that he's doing this. the
1: the the XFL, but wants to call them the Viking Experience. When you know, <laughs> maybe
0: it's a whole maybe it's a whole branding thing. So if he owns the Viking Experience, he can have the XFL Viking Experiences. But why would you want to name your team after (laughs) a losing NFL team? (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, yeah. You'd want it the Patriots. The Patriot Experience.
1: And the worst part is is they they changed their names while they're still in the middle of a fucking championship reign on NXT, to my knowledge. Yeah, how awkward
0: is that when people are, like, telling about their reign in the future? They're going to have to have an asterisk written down on Wikipedia.
1: To the Viking Experience, and they immediately lost their championships afterwards. (laughs) It's just... I wasn't happy to see him show up in the first place. I was even less happy with the name changes.
0: We're we're back at the point, Pasty, where we just want NXT wrestlers to stay in NXT.
1: They're safer there. <laughs> so
0: sad. Uh. Yeah, on to other news, Pasty. Let's let's get away from this shit. I'm just, um, oh man, I'm I got sweats. My skin's crawling. I'm uh, my stomach's turning. I'm done talking about this shit. Uh, but we do have other news to talk about. We got we got some controversial news here, Pasty.
1: Yeah, we do. According to the rap reporter Tony Maglio, a douchebaglio, all Elite Wrestling's upcoming television deal will be a time buy. That means that Time Warner isn't paying the company to air their programming, but instead AEW is paying them for the honor of being on the station. Joe said, or Tony says. My understanding, based on the people I've spoken to, is that it would be more AEW paying for its time on TNT than Turner paying AEW for its show. This isn't an entirely new concept in the fighting world, as TNA did the same thing with Fox Sports Net and UFC's The Ultimate Fighter. Let's not forget WWF was originally a time-by until the mid-90s when the entire wrestling world was on FIRE! But wait! What? According to, some would call him a A.W. shill, Dave Meltzer, the story is false. What? Dave says, the time buy is false. It's the exact opposite. <laughs> One of the reasons the deal hasn't been signed yet is because of multiple bidders. I like to assume that's what his voice sounds like. I don't listen to I it. I like that. So. I think we should continue to use that. <laughs> the time by is false. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I, it, this is almost, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> I hate to do this to you folks, but this is almost like non-news at this point. It because stupid. It's the stupid. news is literally either they're paying to be on there or they're not, <laughs> or they might not even be on TNT. Right. So basically we just told you nothing. <sighs>
1: It's what we do on this show, though, or at least my end of the show.
0: (laughs) But, you know, it's good to inform people of what's going on and and to educate people. You know, a lot of people may have never even heard the term time by until they started talking about this.
1: Yeah, I've heard of it, but I never even considered it. And then it got brought up and it kind of hurt me inside. But then good old Golden Dave came out.
0: (laughs) Actually, what's uh, kind of a weird little insight here is... Like, like you mentioned, Pacey, WWF was originally time by, but then a little thing called uh, infomercials started popping up and they would pay the companies more for the same time because they knew they were going to make more off it by selling their stuff. Um, uh, Joe Popiel was one of the biggest ones that was doing that and WWF lost a lot of networks due to fucking infomercials the thing <laughs> some people just hate watching and then turn away from any chance they get
1: i suppose that's the issue with the time buy is a higher bidder can always come around and take your slot easy peasy. exactly
0: exactly it's it's true but but it's good it's it's no different than buying advertisement really
1: yeah no no that's that's the thing like if you're buying a slot on the network does that mean you get more of the ad revenue that way like is there some kind of an added benefit to paying to buy a slot like, do you make more revenues sub- through some other stream that normally the network would get? That's a good
0: question for Eric Bischoff. I don't I, that that I don't know, Pasty. Um, I don't know enough about it for that. So I,
1: that's been I that's something I've sure. been kind of thinking about since I heard it. I'm like, well, there's got to be ups and downs to it, you know. I think,
0: and I'm just I'm <laughs> it's just like throwing
1: joining this a record here, like, well, You know, they own all your stuff, but if you release it <laughs> independently, then you have all that
0: right. What I what I think is that you get X amount of percentage of commercial time to promote your own shit, maybe 50-50, maybe not, and they get X amount of percentage to promote their stuff, which they are collecting revenue from. So maybe if there's an hour show and there's eight commercials, you get four commercials to promote merchandise, to promote upcoming shows, to promote upcoming live events, and then they get four commercials to promote Wendy's and promote Hanes underwear and promote the next thing.
1: I'm going to look into this a little bit more throughout this week because I'd like to maybe talk about that a little bit next week on the show.
0: It's interesting. I'm one, I'm one of those people that is into the business end of this shit, and a lot of people aren't. Um, I will throw a, a show out here to somebody who is not connected to us at all, but if you do like that stuff, 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff and Conrad Thompson – is a really good podcast to get the business end of pro wrestling. Cause Eric Bischoff goes into a lot of the business stuff of that. Mm. So some people, if you're not into that, it's one of the worst podcasts you can watch. I am into the business stuff and I, I sit there and just love it.
1: I've tried a couple of times I just don't think they were the right episodes to like launch yourself into. Yeah. Appearing on Pro Football Talk, Oliver Luck, XFL League Commissioner, said that the XFL has two very powerful media companies. Hmm, sounds like another company we know of, huh? <laughs> and the league will air two games a week on an over-the-air network television and two games a week on major cable channels. As of this recording, there's new news on what channels those might be. But Luck said, we believe we're well on our way to a successful launch in February of 2020, and we've got a great business plan. He could just call it the NFL experience at that point, couldn't he? Like, it's kind of like the NFL, but not really.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You could watch the NFL, or you could watch the NFL experience. Come and check it out as they rape and pillage and eat raw meat. I'm sad to say we had two opening news segments with little to no actual news. Sorry, folks, but it's part of our jobs here. Let's move on to something that that is real news and we know is happening, Pasty, and it's going to make everybody, I think, super happy. Conrad
1: Thompson, promoter of StarCast 2, told CBS Sports, I wanted to turn the volume up, and we're here at Caesars Palace, and there's no bigger name in the history of world wrestling than Ric Flair! So the roast of Ric Flair is happening. And it sounds like it will headline the event. That is fucking good stuff. Awesome. Oh, it's going to be just fantastic. Especially with all the names that you know have already confirmed are going to be there in the area of stuff.
0: And how many, you know, or how many you don't know anything about that, you know, are just going to pop up and, and surprise everybody. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Hey, kind of kind of tying into this almost just because we're in the region of Las Vegas. Let's go for it. I don't see anything else about this on the news, but did you hear about A-Double this week? I did not hear anything about Austin Aries, the greatest
0: man who ever lived. The, spread some knowledge on us, Pacey. The
1: greatest man who ever lived posted an Instagram photo of contracts, and he said, signed, sealed, delivered, Vegas has never been better, or something like that. Oh, Mm -hmm. he could be AEW bound, or at least he was on our list
0: of uh, he was on our list of folks who wanted to see an AEW. Yeah,
1: he would be a solid get as long as you know the ego doesn't ego. But I think they can pay him enough to feed his ego. Well,
0: and maybe if he's working for something that's less of a corporation and more of a
1: wrestling business, maybe his ego will be less. But All Elite hasn't said anything about it, and they're usually pretty good about saying, I guess you'd want to hold that one off.
0: He's a big one. I'm fairly certain that, A, I'm not going to make it to StarCast 2 this year as much as I would love to. (laughs) B, I think I very well might have to get the Fight app to watch StarCast live.
1: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of of great events. Definitely, I I mean, I kind of tuned out last year and regretted it, and I I definitely want to see it all.
0: Yeah. It's it's going to be amazing.
1: I I hopefully you and I can make it there soon. Live, God, I want to I want to know who's on the panel for the roast Ric Flair. Oh, it's going to be great. We're going to dig into that and keep delivering you updates on that as, as time goes. But it's it, coming up too, isn't it? That's real soon. It's in May,
0: so yeah, next month. Mm. Yeah. But you know, Pasty, you brought up MLW, and you brought up a double. There was a uh, statement released by MLW this week. And that's regarding the creation of a brand new championship. So the statement reads, Major League Wrestling extends to new boundaries with the introduction of a new championship as the inaugural national champion is crowned at MLW Fury Road 2019. Over the next several weeks, four wrestlers will vie for the new championship with the finals occurring at Fury Road. The new championship means bigger fights with greater regularity, said MLW CEO and founder Court Bauer. The national championship is an open weight division pasty, which means that there are no weight limits and fighters with a dramatic difference in size can compete against each other. With super heavyweights, middleweights, heavyweights, cruiserweights, all eligible to compete for the championship. The championship matchups are endless. The tournament is going to begin May with the finalists fighting it out on June 1st as the league crowns their first ever national champion.
1: That is really cool. I guess I'm kind of jaded by being a WWF fan, WWE fan because a lot of the championships are relatively open weight.
0: They're all except for 205 they live, right? they different.
1: I know like when they had the cruiserweight championship and and the light heavyweight championship and
0: I think most places are, and even MLW, I don't think, obviously with as many smaller guys as they have, their heavyweight title isn't. I think it's just more of them s- selling it. But I like the I like the name National Championship. You know, you yeah. try to come up with new names for your secondary titles.
1: Uh, and it's, it's a good-sounding secondary title. And it's like, it, is. it doesn't state what nation, so it's not biased by any means. No, I like it.
0: The only, the only thing that confuses me in the statement, and I think I know what they're saying, but I think it's worded weird, and we, and we just took the actual quote from them and put it on here, so the actual quote is everything they said. It says, over the next several weeks, four wrestlers will vie for the new championship with the finals occurring in Fury Road. To me, the way that's written is that there's only four wrestlers who are going to compete for multiple weeks. But I think what they mean is each week four different wrestlers are going to compete tournament style, with the winners or maybe earning points, up until Fury Road, where only the best of them go through.
1: Yeah, I um, see it. has it, got. I, I'm assuming it's
2: gonna be it's a multi man
0: match. You can't just have four people yeah. wrestling for fucking five weeks <laughs> and then have the finals at Fury Road like, well, it's a four way. None of the rest mattered.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, only time will tell, but I'm excited to see another championship get out there. I know I've I've turned quite a few people onto MLW lately, and they 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 have appreciated it.
0: Oh yeah, you're not you're not gonna regret mm. checking out MLW. For one, it's an hour long, so you're not you're not giving up anything. Yeah,
1: at all. And until October when All Elite hits TV, I mean this is this is the thing to watch right now.
0: It is. It truly is, and it's
1: probably the thing to pay attention to even afterwards. This is my favorite I, indie organization. I say that loosely because it's hard to call them indie when they got deals and shit.
0: Yeah, I, I consider them indie, but yeah, I, I agree they're they're a major independent. With like you said, they have a television deal.
1: So does it just go locals, then indies, then WWE? <laughs> is that is that like what's the scale there? Because
0: technically, me,
1: indies is like the local.
0: I guess technically, right now. In the United States, there's WWE and there's independents. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't like that. I, I... But I would say Ring of Honor, MLW, Lucha Underground, and Impact Wrestling. I would consider them somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. They're definitely not WWE status. But they're also
1: a place people are trying to get signed from from all over the place. As yeah, not just, yeah. I live here. This is what I want to do. Exactly. <sighs> And so I, I, feel like, I feel like there should be a better clarification of that. I don't, think, I don't think shows like that should be considered indies. When it's, a, when it's a place, like a goal for people to be there, it's... What
0: if we took an example from MLW and called them National Leagues?
1: I like that. Ooh, I like people from
0: all over the nation are competing and watching.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> we <We're>
1: played <quite laughs> here first, folks. <laughs> You're damn right. Indies, National Leagues, and WWE. I hate that they are on their own fucking pedestal and it needs to change.
0: Yeah, but they are, and they will be for quite a while yet.
1: Not forever. It's sports entertainment, not wrestling. Ah! So, Stefan Shane Strickland, Humberto Garza Jr., and Yuhiro Kushida have... All joined WWE NXT recently. Shane Strickland nice. has wrestled for a number of independents such as MLW, Combat Zone Wrestling, and Lucha Underground where he competed under a mask as Kill Shot. Garza Jr. made a name in wrestling, wrestling for various Mexican promotions. He is the nephew of Hector Garza of WCW fame and cousin to the 205 Live's Humberto Carrillo. Perhaps the biggest name of the three, Kushida, comes from New Japan Pro Wrestling, where he's a former six-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion and a two-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champion with Alex Shelley as Time Splitters. One of my favorite PS. One of my games. favorite tag teams. <laughs> as well as former Ring of Honor television champion, he was the winner of the 2015 and 2017 Best of the Super Juniors tournaments. The 2016 Super J Cup and the 2017 Pro Wrestling World Cup. And, I mean, if you pay attention to anything outside of New Japan, I think you kind of have a general idea of who Kushida is. And if you don't know, you're going to know as long as he's on NXT. Once he goes to WWE, you're not going to know anything about him anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's one of them where my initial thought is he's going to be a superstar even on the main roster. But then my heart tells me Mm -hmm. no... No, but in, but in NXT, he's definitely going to be a shining star. This man has so much talent. Kushida does
1: in NXT. He'll not to take anything away from Shane in Strickland. WWE, he'll be called shining star. That'll be his name. Right. <laughs> um, Shane
0: Strickland is a former MLW uh, world champion. And uh Umberto Garza Jr., I honestly am not gonna lie, I don't know much about him, but I I, I assume there's gonna be great He's things got in a his legacy future as well. Too. I mean
1: most most second or third gens don't don't really hold up, but it's happened.
0: Well, but it's different with the it seems like it's different with the Mexican heritage. The juniors yeah. and the El Hijos uh seem to actually get as big, if not bigger. Than, than the originals, you see it all the time in Mexican it helps wrestling. A lot if you so gain that fame I think he definitely could WWE, do well. Though.
1: And I mean, with us not knowing who he is, that it it makes me nervous for him in the company. But we'll see.
0: I think he'll yeah. do fine in two hundred five live. Um, Shane Strickland, great great talent, super over. Definitely's got Mike skills. He's another one I don't see going anywhere on the main roster, but I think he'll do great. An NXT, uh maybe not champion, but maybe North American champion. Maybe they you know, mm. they're good at making tag teams. He could be a tag team champion.
1: I think he'll wear gold in NXT. Looking forward to seeing Kushida most of all though. It's Him on NXT will be so much fun. Oh, God. Uh, him, I love him watching versus him. Gargano is a wet dream waiting to happen.
0: It's just a shame that Ricochet's already gone. But and Aleister Black, but him and Velveteen Dream should be awesome.
1: I was so worried he was going to get called up. <laughs> <sighs> he can't. Let him be he down can't. in, in NXT. Mean, and
2: now. The Viking
1: experience are still champions.
0: I don't mean because he's a champ. I just, mean, I just mean because he, out of pretty much everybody in NXT, I know will not work on the main roster. <sighs> 100. He could so hard. He could. For the fans, he won't for the management, I think.
1: Do you think he gets a a, a name change wanting to remove him a little bit from Dusty Roads with all the Cody stuff going on? Actually, I was
0: <laughs> almost thinking the exact opposite, and they could po- call him up <clears throat> as the dream.
1: Make some shitty storyline where he's ju- one of Dusty's children.
0: <laughs> it's no worse than fucking Jason Jordan, right? <laughs> He's Dusty's child with the same woman who is Kurt Angle's lover. Did they ever? They had never done anything with that angle, have they? With Jason Jordan? No. As far as as far as kayfabe wise, he's still Kurt's son. That just they don't talk to each other, right?
1: Yeah. You know what bothers me though, seeing Kurt's family at at the Hall of Fame ceremony and shit. His wife is is African American. Why couldn't yeah, Jason she Jordan have been her son? And since he's with her now, like, oh, I'm back in the family. You know, you could have worked it in and made it more logical that way. Kirk's had
0: a history of being with African-American women. (laughs) So, I mean, it works in theory, but... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah.
1: I mean, you wouldn't have had that four-week buildup of, oh, I got some big news.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Plus, uh, usually... The child you have with your wife isn't an illegitimate child. Right.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't have had Usually called your a,
0: child. Unless, yeah,
1: right. <laughs> and you would have had to bring Kurt's know. family into it a whole lot more like, "Oh, she had me. She was too young. She she put me up for adoption. Da da da. Now I'm back and blah blah blah." I don't know. I don't know either. But I knew one thing, and that's despite saying goodbye to WWE on social media this past week, Luke Harper isn't out of the grasp of the WWE just yet say it isn't so according to the wrestling observer newsletters harper's contract isn't set to expire until november of this year plus wwe always has the option to extend the contract six additional months due to the time that luke spent on the sidelines due to injury and in theory they can extend that if he refuses to compete
0: correct um as we've seen with Rey mysterio a while back if they don't fulfill their dates WWE can keep them under contract and just not pay them, which really sucks for the talents who are pasty, independent contractors yeah. who don't work for WWE. Yes. It's stupid. <clears throat> it's-, it's not good. And this sucks for Luke Harper. I know so many people thought he was going to AEW. He easily could. Um, he could bring back his Brody Lee character, which I loved in the past. Who knows, maybe Brody Lee and John Moxley would show up together as a hardcore tag team. <laughs> huh? Huh? I don't but know. I they're, they're not going to do anything with Luke and WWE and I'm more than happy with him going to greener pastures if he feels he has some. If he's more than happy to stay there, collect a check and not work, I I'm all for him for that too. I don't I don't dog anybody who chooses <laughs> to stay on the roster, collect that paycheck. And not go through the, the toil and the rigors as they would making less money elsewhere.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, if you can, I'd, I'd take that route if it was offered to me, that's for sure. Make money yeah. to do nothing just to sit here? I be mean, go ahead, go ahead. That's, that's why
0: WWE didn't get any of WCW's superstars after the uh, buyout. Because, you know, Hall, Nash, Sting, Hogan... They all had big lucrative multi million contracts for a few more years left, and they would have had to get bought out for less money and start working right away, or sit at home, not work, and collect millions of dollars every year. Might as well. It's a no brainer. Mm-hmm.
1: And then still come back later anyway.
0: Yeah, and make money there. But you know, there's a related story to this, also, Pasty.
1: Yes, indeed. Alexander Wolf released the tweet thanking everyone for their support and claimed that it's time to leave this behind and walk a different path. This comes after Killian Dane tweeted that he'll miss both Young, who was drafted to Raw, and Alexander Wolf, whom wasn't drafted
2: anywhere. Dun, dun, dun.
1: This tweet has led many to wonder if Alexander is planning on leaving WWE. Following the rumors, Pro Wrestling Sheet revealed that when reached out, WWE officials told them that the former NXT star is still under contract with the promotion yes the site also notes that wolf might be moving back to NXT which would explain the statement where he thanked the Smackdown roster and talked about leaving things behind it's kind of sad for those two guys we always knew would never go anywhere I think everybody who's listening to this
0: podcast know how I feel about Alexander Wolf and murder death child Dane And, and to be fair I think murder death child is even the more talented of the bunch but again, I want I want him to be happy. Yeah. If what he wants is to be released, I hope he gets released. If he'd rather go down to NXT, he's probably going to have a better career there, even if it's less money. <laughs> if he wants to stay on WWE's roster and get paid and not do anything, I'm, I'm behind him with that, too. I could be wrong, and he could surprise me, but I don't see a huge career for him in MLW or AEW. Uh, maybe Impact, but probably not. I don't know what he does.
1: There was another super awesome uh, little segment on Raw this week, uh, the horror segment. Like last week, they had the buzzard in the shirt puppet with the laughing in the comments Oh, yes. This week, yes. they had like a panning through a, a doll scene, which kind of made me think of the House of Horrors, but they, it was better put together, and it had a fucking porcelain marionette puppet. Yep. And it was a girl, and, and she did stuff. I don't remember if she said something or just stuff. But it was creepy and it was good. But uh one one fan kind of connected dots saying that uh
0: Sister Abigail.
1: <laughs> no, but the other the other members of Sanity, um Nikki Cross Nikki Cross and why do I always I, I love him but I always forget his name and it's terrible. Eric yeah, Young. Eric Young. He's old oh. and I think that's why <laughs> He's not young <laughs> Eric Old Just call him Eric Old <laughs> I love him But I always forget his name No but the the Somebody connected the dots That it's a Bray Wyatt Kind of promo But Nikki And Eric Eric is drafted To Raw alone Nikki hasn't been drafted Anywhere is Still up in the air But if they teamed up With Bray Wyatt I think there could be An impact there Where you know It's like a tag team And And uh, a, a woman's wrestler I think it could work I think it's kind of Stupid because sanity obviously didn't do anything, and Bray hasn't done anything in the past. But I think with the three minds together, it could be kind of cool if it happens.
0: Yeah, that would be interesting. I'd be okay with that. I mean, I mean, at least it'd be trying something.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: They gotta fucking try something with that. I think
1: Eric Young and Bray. I just feel like those two should have been put together from the very beginning.
0: Bray and Nikki Cross are way too talented. Eric Young is super talented, and I'm not taking anything away from him. But Eric Young is not meant to be a main event solo guy. Mm. He's just not. He never was. He never will be. That's not him. And that's okay.
1: But he can be the buzzard. And Nikki Cross can, can be Sister Abigail. And Bray's whole fantasy world can come to life before our eyes in a way that is much better than Bray being Sister Abigail.
0: Yeah, this could give Bray mm. Wyatt's character a real shot in the arm. Mm-hmm. And at that and point, they why completely... would
1: Luke just stick around, you know? That's, yeah,
0: I don't know. It'd be great if if, he, if they had something for him there, but. Yeah.
1: At the same knows. point, maybe it'll be nice to have Bray with fresh people.
0: I think it would. <clears throat> I think Luke, I think Luke Harper is past the Wyatt family deal. Don't get me wrong. It, it's fine. And I'd be okay if that's all he does, I guess. Again, if he's happy with it, but I think he needs to either move on to his own stuff or move on.
1: Yeah. Speaking of moving on, Atomic Revolutionary Wrestling has announced that former WWE performer and NXT star Adam Rose will have his final wrestling match via their promotion on Friday, June 14th in Cocoa, Florida. This comes after Rose, whose real name is Raymond Lapon, took on to his official Facebook page to announce that he had a mild heart attack scare over the weekend. Adam Rose? This one's for you. Yes, indeed. Sit. Hope
0: the best for him. He's he's young to be retiring, but if he's got these medical issues, it's a lot of wrestlers don't retire soon enough, knowing they have these issues.
1: Well, I mean, he was let go of the company for Adderall usage, and and looking at the guy, he he looks like a guy who'd be fun to do a bunch of cocaine with. So
0: he looks like he could do some speed mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah.
4: No more vinegar and water douches for me, they're such a bother. Jane, look, Massengill has...
0: Methamphetamine. It's convenient.
4: No artificial anything? Just...
0: Methamphetamine.
4: The ingredients many doctors recommend, but this is pre-mixed, pre-measured, sanitary. No more bother. Look how cleverly it's designed.
0: Only... Methamphetamine. ...has this
2: special design.
0: Methamphetamine. It's specially designed. I'm not saying that that's what this is from, folks. Please don't take that out of We're we're not saying that. We're saying that it's possible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he is. He's got that that party boy vibe and gimmick, even. So, like, I wouldn't put (laughs) I was going to say, where'd
0: you get that vibe from, buddy? (laughs) Yeah. A lot of folks just assume that uh, he painted himself black and changed his name to Jose, but that's not (laughs) the truth. That's not what happened. Poor Jose is going to go fucking nowhere. He's going to get hooked on Adderall. He's going to be <laughs> retiring pretty soon uh, through, rev- through Atomic Revolutionary Wrestling.
1: The thing is, Triple H should a have changed guy. his name before letting him go to WWE because as soon as Vince heard it, he's like, I'm going to bury this guy forever. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's an awful name. Yeah, it is. It is. No way, Jose. is just horrible. I mean, with, with the song and the crowd chanting, it's cool. But beyond that, yeah, no.
0: It works in small independents. It doesn't work for mainstream. Not for me. I mean, I'll admit that. Some things I'm just like, get over it, folks. But other things... To me, it's like her angle embracing
1: the you suck. Like, it was cool for a minute, but then it just... Oh, I'm fine with him embracing it. Eh. Eh. I just wish he would have passed that curse on to Corbin like we had talked about last week. That would have been the way to go, but they didn't do it. Uh, Seamus is apparently dealing with a concussion God damn it Seamus Fucking A Leaving Cesaro to team up with God who the fuck I don't know he teamed up with a weird team out of nowhere And I was like well where's Seamus Why Why? I really wanted Drew McIntyre to go to Smackdown And join the bar It would have been cool No they, they kept Baron Corbin's fucking mid card stable At Doom together Horrible. Yeah. Uh But anyways, it was believed to have occurred on the April 9th SmackDown show. That saw the New Day taking on, would you believe it, the Bar Andrew McIntyre. No way. This is the same match that Big E was injured on. I wonder if they got injured together in the same spot. The now they're scissoring in hospital beds together.
0: <laughs> that would be great. This is also, I, I've read, uh, again, I... Pasty, I wanted to start watching WWE After Mania. I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> I'm
1: working on it. Oh, the best. On it's it. the but, best. I think I know what you're talking about. And it was great. Um, okay,
0: okay. Yeah, uh, apparently, and I didn't watch it, but I, I've, I've read and seen so many things about it, and I even watched a clip. During the match, Drew McIntyre just dipped off through the audience and completely fucking disappeared.
1: Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to Oh, that's about. not what you're doing. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: so in the middle of the match, he dips off, he disappears, Some of the fans are like, was he injured? But then most of the fans are like, he was fucking walking around cool and hopped the guardrail. Like, what the fuck's going on? The announcers never mentioned anything about it. Nobody said anything. Allegedly, and this this is good for Drew, although it was a stupid way to pull it off. Allegedly, Vince McMahon needed that team to lose, but didn't want Drew McIntyre around during the loss. (laughs) As if, as if. Like uh like like a kid covering their eyes, if "I don't see you. It didn't happen." Like what the... so cuz Drew left, he didn't lose to the New Day, but the bar did and it left a lot of people confused and I'm assuming as of this last week they didn't mention anything about it or explain no. it. So that's WWE fucking booking right there. Let's just have him leave halfway through the match. Then he didn't lose. Okay. Go ahead. What were you gonna say?
1: Because now I'm intrigued. Oh no! Um, New Day had a match. Can't remember who it was verse, but they had a match on SmackDown, and because Big E is unable to compete due to injury, they were on the Kevin Owens show, and Kevin Owens said he would like to step in, and then they're like, "No, you can't. You can't do what we do. When That'd when you're so like cool. us, you gotta gyrate your hips." And he's like, "Oh, I can gyrate my hips," and he went full New Day for the whole episode. I'm okay with that. Maybe it's probably just going to be to turn heel and stab Kofi in the back and get a title shot, but I want it. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that ending, too. I think Kevin that'd Owens, be the correct and, ending. And having Kevin Owens be a member of New Day is just, it's got fun written all over it. I am super okay with that, Maybe Pace. that'll help you get into watching the show more now. I haven't even heard anything about yeah, that. No, uh, so. I, I woke up in the morning and Kirsten was like going through Facebook and she's like, Kevin Owens is Big O. <laughs> at first he called himself Big K. <laughs> Big K? No, like, no, nah, nah, Big O. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's way better. <laughs> Big O. And Big O is an orgasm, so I mean. That, I like yeah. that. No, that's super, I have not even read or heard anything about that. Dude, no, check it out. I immediately looked at the clip and it was. Wonderful. That is cool. Totally dig that. Something you won't dig. Something a lot of oh. people don't won't dig. Daniel Bryan is still on <gasps> injury, but WWE is closely guarding the details of his status and people who know about him are trying to prevent any information on the situation from coming out, and that just doesn't paint a good picture. Not with
0: what we know about everything that's happened with him recently and where he's at and the way that WWE is trying to avoid talk about concussions Unless he's and gotten all injured
1: so many times at Wrestlemania now, like maybe he had it worked into his contract that he could take a break. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, well this works storyline-wise. <laughs> and so now they're just keeping it hush. Because have... they want us to think uh, he's got another concussion and maybe he can... might not come back. I can see that
0: happening. Uh... Sadly, this is... I mean, at this point, it's just speculation. For all we know, he isn't even injured, and maybe he is just out taking personal time. We don't know. But you don't like the way they're so quiet about it. Now, don't get me wrong. We don't need to know everything. We want to. We're fans. And, of course, Pacey, you and I are, you know, amateur journalists. So we like to know things, and we like to talk about it. But we're not owed anything. We don't deserve to know why Brian isn't on TV. Right. I just hope the best for him and you just I just hope it's I just hope you know maybe he's got a sprained ankle or a a cracked rib or something. You hate to say you hope somebody has a cracked rib, but knowing his history it's like I'll take that.
1: I mean, Kofi stomped on his fucking skull. <laughs> I know. But the thing here is too is if if WWE announces he has an injury even if it's a minor injury, and it's on the show, he's gonna be a face again in a second. And so to hold on and his heel shit, that. you would not do that. You know what I mean? You wouldn't wanna do that yeah. at all. No. So, yeah. I, it's weird. It's hard. Um, God, we gotta keep this thing moving.
0: God damn, you said it's weird and it's hard, and I thought you were just talking about my penis. I was. But go ahead. And we gotta keep oh, okay. it moving. We gotta keep it moving. I'm shaking it right now. <laughs>
1: Shake it like a Polaroid pitcher. Oh my Beyonce's and Lucy Lou's and CM Punk was back in action recently, competing in a Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament, the Grappling Games in Chicago. Sounds like a fucking men's sweat house, doesn't it? Yeah, it kind of does. Then it would be in Chicago. Oh, yeah, it would. (laughs) You may be surprised, even proud of the chick magnet, when you hear that Punk took home the bronze medal in the men's adult and senior blue belt GI division. That's actually pretty badass. It is really fucking cool. This is a local event, and it was not only not heavily promoted, CM Punk competed under his real name, Phil Brooks, competing in the 199.9 pounds weight class. Ooh, he could be on 205 Live. (laughs) you think he'd go back for that no no (laughs) (laughs) one could easily assume he took this as a personal challenge to regain some dignity and unless you're third place in a competition with only two other competitors a bronze medal looks pretty damn good in any collection damn straight except it was a competition with only two other competitors in a round robin format what Yeah, and that is why consolation Metal Punk is our Golden Jerry of the Week for our Centennial Celebration. Jesus fucking Christ, man, didn't fight under the name CM Punk because he wanted to keep it out of the public eye that he purposefully entered himself in a tournament with three people just so he could take home a medal. Maybe I'll win something better. Worst case scenario, I get to take home a bronze medal.
2: Yeah, Um, I mean,
1: you know, don't get me
0: wrong. When you have a young child who's coming up in the ranks and they're doing stuff. Sure, if they get third place and only three people and they get a bronze medal, you hang that son of a bitch on the wall and make them super proud of mm -hmm. it. If you're a former multi-time world champion and you get third out of three people, you don't sit there and take pictures of yourself with the bronze medal with your trainer. A trainer who, by the way, said he thinks that CM Punk should focus less on MMA and more on jiu-jitsu.
1: <laughs> well,
0: I guess he probably should focus more on it because he sucks right now.
1: I think he just needs to focus on something else entirely. I think he needs to focus on just... Getting over really whatever this hockey. is,
0: he's in a midlife crisis. Why couldn't he isn't go he? play hockey? Why couldn't he? Why couldn't he buy a percentage of a hockey team and then just go and watch them and not have to <laughs> physically do anything? Right. Like, just get over this midlife crisis. I, I have know. to prove something. Bull, fucking shit. Quit flexing your nuts in a pissing contest. Get over yourself. You got a hot ass fucking wife. You make tons of fucking money.
1: You're a good guy. No, no, he's, just he's kind fucking, of a piece of shit. Well, yeah, yeah but I guess... We want I mean, to think you, you're a good on guy. On paper,
0: like, not his personality, not how he acts, but on paper. He's got money, he's got a hot wife, he's got a good body. I mean, just what, what do you
1: fucking want? Just get over it. Uh, he just wants to prove he's better than Brock Lesnar. But he's not, and he never will be. Ever, ever, ever. he does something Brock Lesnar's never done in his life. Don't get me
0: wrong, I'll take AJ over Sable, but nonetheless, I think you could almost call it a wash.
1: Yeah, it depends on if you could grab Sable out of a different time frame. Well, no, you're talking talking
0: apples to apples here. AJ now, Sable now. Mm, Pacey, I'm currently banging broads that don't look (laughs) as good as Sable, (laughs) so don't give me that (laughs) shit, okay? Sable's a good catch moving on pacey <clears throat> back by popular demand is a segment we like to call lost in translation yes
1: yes yes that's that time again folks everybody's favorite segment and this time it's a little different why is that because we have taken segments from Beefsticks Six podcast throughout the ages And we have run them through the ringer from English to Swedish to Spanish to Filipino and finally back to English.
0: Ironically, that was my uh, that was my college year off when I traveled overseas. That was the the gals. I went from a Swedish woman to a Spanish woman to a Filipino woman back to an English woman. (laughs) It was fun.
1: Well there you go. I, I see where you got the inspiration from. We are going to read
0: you the Lost in Translation, and then we will play you the clip from the past show so you can hear what it originally was. What do you think, Pasty? Are you ready? Yes, sir. I'm I darn near am. giddy for this. I'm not this kidding. Is these, are, these are some of my favorite things ever that we do. It's it's <laughs> it's gonna be good.
1: Let's skeet scoot right into it, to
0: Skeet scoot. Alright. <clears throat> It is a podcast made for the fanatics of the fight by fans of perceived and drunk fighters of a lifetime. To begin, we will give you information about ourselves. To myself, Fat Mac was a wrestling fan since the early 80s. I grew up in the NWA and WCW. But in the mid-90s, there was one little thing called the WWF recognition attitude, and I was bound. <laughs> Held captive? Then I went back and bought all the bands I could see and delve in WWF's history. Uh, what bands? All the bands. Remember? <laughs> all the bands. <laughs>
1: And I watch the wrestling before I can remember I'm the guy from WWE Whoa I set this to the usual basic programs Mm -hmm. But recently I tried to see other programs And I think we have a pretty interesting minstrel for you (laughs) (laughs) We hope you have butt every week (laughs) Yes, that's two T's, folks We hope you have some ass every week
0: (laughs) What you can expect from this podcast is a bit of everything and everything in the crime scene. (laughs) We can bring you WWE Raw.
1: All this. What do we get? We have acquired the secret fighting respect (laughs) movement for new bumps in Japan. (laughs) That's the best line ever. (laughs) We
0: (laughs) We will give you Freedom give you occasional shows, and announce what's happening in the local area of Minnesota.
1: Yes, we just do not care. (laughs) We're great fans of beer. Are not all fans of wrestling beer aficionados?
2: (laughs) Aficionados
1: was not the word in there, folks. It
0: translated to aficionados. (laughs) Most of the time, I think she is 10 years old.
2: Oh, my gosh. It's good. It's so good. Oh,
1: God. (sighs) And, folks, that was the intro from our first episode ever, which you're going to hear right now.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Beef Sticks Podcast. We're your hosts, Fat Mac, and Tasty
1: White. Now let's get it on.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. And thank you tuning in to beef sticks podcast episode one this is the wrestling podcast brought to you by cloud style broadcasting this is a podcast made for wrestling fans from lifelong opinionated
1: and intoxicated
0: wrestling fans to start you out we're going to give you a little info about ourselves I, myself, Fat Mac, am a wrestling fan from back in the 80s. I grew up on the NWA and WCW, but come the mid-90s, a little thing called the Attitude Era struck WWF, and I was hooked. After that, I went back and bought every tape I could find of the WWF and immersed
1: myself in the history of the WWF. And I have been watching wrestling since before I can remember. I am the WWE guy. I keep it pretty typical to the but lately I've been trying to get into watching other shows. And I think we've got a pretty interesting program for you guys. Hopefully you come
0: back each and every week on Thursday. What you can expect from this podcast is a little bit of everything and anything in the wrestling world. We can bring you WWE Raw, SmackDown, all of that. What else do we got? We got Lucha Underground, Ring of Honor, New Japan, impact wrestling we'll give you independence we'll give you one-off shows and we'll let
1: you know what's happening in the local minnesota area yes indeed as well as that each week we'll be featuring a new and special craft beer and sharing it with all of you yes in fact not only are we wrestling fans but we are a huge
0: beer fans aren't all wrestling fans beer fans i think so for the most part <laughs> yeah even the 10 year olds you know uh, we have acquired the secret fighting respect movement for new bumps in Japan
1: <laughs> we hope you have butt every week oh <clears throat> yes we just do not care <laughs> and I love most of the time I think she is telling old. why and I happen to know the average gene okerlund is a legume legume <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So that one, we,
0: we bounced back and forth because that was our actual banter on the show. These next ones, we're, we're going to take each. We're going to do a whole segment of it, even though it's it's multiple. Some of them are, are just me and Pasty. Some of them even pay, uh, um, strategy is involved in. Who good yes. gets in every now and then. So but we're going to knock these out. But that was our very first cold open ever. And I thought it was great to see us reenact that. Through Google Translate. <laughs> <laughs> so up next, this was a fun one from uh, from a classic.
1: Yeah, you know, you just got you guys just have to guess until the end. From a classic, here's the is,
0: original clip. They took two women and Gentiles into two suckers. They came to suck in the bathrooms. <laughs> And the boy, let me tell you, one night, and they need it. (laughs) They came here around eight at night and re-refreshed them. (laughs) I hope he puts on the gloves. (laughs) Me too. I hope you do not have a dive plan from here. Pull to the shitter that is not even close to him. He is like, I need more profit. (laughs) (laughs) These are the children who make art coming from them. Do not leak. No one will think about children. Can we run through sprinklers? Oh, that guy just, oh, he gave us a look, gave us a stinky eye. (laughs) She is like, you fucking boys who shake in my port while I clean your poop? I mean, you would suck the crap of a prophet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the engine sucks the shit. (laughs) It's not like gas leakage pumps do not work with the boss. What do I do? Here is a mint, my friend. Put your lips on it and start the baby. <laughs> Just a trace to save mint.
1: <laughs> You're going to need to save that mint. You're going to need to, buddy.
0: <laughs> oh, this was a classic from uh, the latest Galactic Get Down, Pasty. Yes, indeed. Uh, you and I in strategy... Talking about the porta potties. <laughs> let's uh, let's let the let's cue the folks in on exactly what was talked about there,
1: because it came off a little odd. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, here's the clip.
5: I mean, I damn! They brought, they brought two. They brought two, ladies and gentlemen, two shit suckers.
1: They're here to suck the toilets And boy let me tell you One night in and we need it <laughs> Yeah <laughs> They better they
0: better come over here about 8 o'clock tonight And freshen them up again
5: Oh man I hope he's gonna wear some gloves
0: Oh man I hope they're not planning on sucking it from there
5: <laughs> Yeah dude, wow Pull up to the
0: fucking shitter You're not even close to it yo He's
5: there's, like oh there's kids. I need more home! This is doing art right there Come <laughs> on man don't spring Absolutely. a leak. There's
1: <laughs> you know, leaks
2: in the
1: hose. <laughs> 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 oh somebody think of the children? Do we run through the sprinkler?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that guy just—oh man, he's giving us a look.
5: Yeah, he we got mugged.
0: Man, we got he got just gave us the stink eye. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Get it, the stink eye.
5: <laughs> oh, oh, he's shit. not happy with us. Yeah, no, he's not. He's like you, fucking kids, shitting in my porta potties. Up there laughing while I gotta clean
0: your shit.
5: Yeah, I'm, isn't that job security though? Yeah, but you
0: you probably still don't enjoy it.
5: Oh yeah, probably not. Because I mean, you're sucking shit out of a tube.
1: Well, Sucking. the machine is
2: something.
5: Yeah, I know. was going to say. I don't yeah, think you're not, he's you're not like siphoning gas. Not. It's like, the pump's not working, boss. What do I got to do? Put your lips Here's on a that mint, bed. buddy. Get to work. <laughs> Put hip power just,
1: to work. Just a hint save
0: the mint till afterwards.
1: <laughs> just a hint, save the mint. New <laughs> Beef <laughs> 6 podcast t shirt. Right, just a hint, save the mint. <laughs>
0: Hashtag not my
1: penis. (laughs) (laughs) It's still just as funny without the translation.
0: It's great. It's great. That was a fun time. That was, uh, we always have a great time at the get down. And that episode, we apologize, was cut short because there were technical difficulties. But even within that short amount of time, we got some golden shit. Excuse my phrase. (laughs) Out of it.
1: Yeah, no, no. It was it wasn't very much beef sticks, but it was very much what needed to be said. It was true. It was it was us (laughs) talking about what was real at the time. Oh, good times! I can't wait for this year. (laughs) All right, let's get into the next one. I eat food while I'm showering. Save time. so, what you did do in the shower before the podcast came out as you ate your <laughs> dinner? Yes, I eat a janitor in the shower while shaking her. Which makes sense. No, it doesn't. It sounds sexy as a fan. You know what I'm thinking. <laughs> I think the shower party, B and OM, are bringing your own flesh. <laughs> We have party parties. Sad guys, the feather is locked behind our boss. We will record the video. Strata, Pasty, and I will eat and dung in the
2: shower. It said dung. <laughs> uh,
1: I think any long term Beef6 podcast fans will know exactly what that was about. We have party parties. <laughs> yes I eat a janitor in the shower while shaking her <laughs> that poor
0: janitor she doesn't know what the fuck's going on she's just trying to remove the lime <laughs> she brought a fucking bucket of CLR here you are shaking her and eating her Goddamn. damn Ugh. Sad guys, the feather is locked behind our
1: boss. (laughs) You gotta get through him if you want a little tickle.
0: For the life of me, I can't even think of what sentence that was. (laughs) 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 Oh, It's great, though. I love it. Sad guys, the feather is locked behind our boss. (laughs) I can just see a fucking... A beef six video game where you got to get the feather behind the boss <laughs> after shaking and eating fucking janitors and bringing your
1: own flesh. I think the shower party B and O M are bringing your own flesh. B and O M. <laughs> <laughs> fucking good shit, man. Woo.
0: Oh, even though, like you said, I think most long term listeners know this one. This is still a great one to revisit.
1: always. Oh, <laughs>
2: you gotta be Netflix, desperate to crack- watch sit on Crackle. Because Crackle,
1: cause crackle cuts in at the worst possible times, and it's just like, okay, just sit through ten commercials. And they're not short commercials. right? You have to coordinate your bathroom <laughs> breaks with their commercials. <laughs> you could coordinate a full <coughs> fucking meal sometimes. <laughs> crackle is... Well, well I eat a meal while I'm taking... Oh, there you go. Saves time. i my meals around my So, shower. is that what you were yeah, doing exactly. in the shower before just, the podcast? <laughs> shitting in the shower yeah, while I, eating yeah, your I dinner? Was eating, <laughs> I was eating
0: a porterhouse in the shower while shitting.
4: I mean,
1: to oh, me, it just makes sense. Oh, you just
5: that knock sounds, out three things at once. That sounds sexy. There's as no flushing at all or
4: nothing.
5: It just all goes. Dude, you know what I'm thinking? <laughs> I'm thinking shower party.
2: Shower party!
5: This one is B Y O M. Bring your own meat.
2: (laughs) Beef stick exclusive.
5: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're having the meat party.
1: Sorry, guys. The meat party is locked behind our Patreon at the initial buy in level of $1 a month.
5: (laughs) For $1 a month, I'll give you half the directions. (laughs) to
2: the house. (coughs) i going to videotape that. We're going to videotape it. It's going to be me, Strata, and
4: Pasty eating and shitting in the (laughs) shower. Now
2: don't you don't you want to fucking subscribe now Shit. don't you want to you know subscribe what? now do
5: you know what we need to do instead of having a drain we need to get a fucking garbage disposal for the fucking yeah, drain garbage. Just, just oh, like yeah. just, we'll just put a fucking cover over top of it it's like it's getting too meaty in here we'll lift it up let it an exclusive
0: an exclusive you heard here first folks on beef sticks Actually, the the bottom of that garbage disposal where our meat and shit goes is actually where the McDonald's ribwich comes from.
1: Yes. There
5: you go. (laughs) Let alone fat. uh, It goes through there, gets processed, a little barbecue sauce, a little (laughs) fake grill mark. There you go.
2: And it's delicious.
5: So you heard it here first. The McRib is coming soon.
0: And to that pasty, I think it deserves one.
1: Yes, yes. uh, I think one of our personal favorite classic moments. Oh,
0: we talk about it all the time. Sometimes I
1: participate in it. (laughs) The
0: next two are classic promos that we have gotten from other pro wrestling personalities for the show. We have been honored to be recognized by other folks. And what better way to do that than to completely twist their words around, pasty?
1: (laughs) They'll love that.
0: With that being said, here we go. I need to talk about this person. The Fat, hosted by the Beef Sticks podcast, with a white, white color called Ironic. (laughs) (laughs) This is my name from what some people gave me, but it's a live fighting podcast for adult fans. Definitely not a PG show, that they speak of the noble dignity of WWE.
1: Yeah, we do that.
2: <laughs>
0: we do a lot of that. New Japanese and much more. And also, take the time to promote local breweries as they try to criticize local <laughs> beer. So listen to Cow Spiders. <laughs> <laughs> He
1: ends it with, so listen to cow spiders. Cow spiders would be terrifying. Cow spiders is, that is terrifying. You don't terrifying. know if they're going to shoot webs or milk? <laughs> Am I
0: drinking a web? What's going on here? Try to tip them over and I fucking jump like a jumping spider? I don't know what's going on here. Oh. Listen
1: to cows. Why do we got to listen to them? Are they like super wise? And I like that we try to criticize local beer. Well, we, we should we do try. that from now on. We should get beer just to talk shit Great this fucking beer here. <laughs> this like- week on the show, Bud Light.
0: <laughs> the craziest thing probably of all these so far is that we speak of the noble dignity of WWE. What the fuck? Where did that come? I think Vince I McMahon. Know. I try to sometimes. <laughs> Vince McMahon hacked our Google and fucking yeah. change that on us. because <laughs> I can guarantee that's not what he said. Oh, folks, that one there was a promo uh, shout-out to Beef 6 Podcast from the Solomonster, Monster, Jason Solomon, who has yes, had... indeed. Oh, well over... I think he hit a 1,000 milestone not too long ago. So he, I mean, we're following in his shoes folks he's just he's not a promoter not a wrestler just a fan with a show we're fans with the show um so much love to him we appreciated the shout out and just for a uh little selfish promotion pasty let's just play it again hey it's a piece of our history <clears throat> listen to the cow spiders
3: yes uh, Fat Mac, gotta talk about this guy here, Fat Mac Bubba Waterfield, who co-hosts the Beefsticks Sticks podcast with his partner Pasty White. That's his name. Ironically, that's my name, too, that some people have given me. But it's a live wrestling podcast for the adult fan, definitely not a PG show. Uh they talk WWE, Ring of Honor, New Japan, and a whole lot more. And also they take time to promote local brewing companies. As they sample and critique local beers. So uh, give the Beef Sticks podcast a listen on Spreaker, iTunes, Google Play Music, or Stitcher Radio. You can check out their Cloud Style umbrella with all of their shows. On Spreaker.com slash user slash Cloud Style.
1: God, is that like follow the buzzards? (laughs) Follow!
0: The Buzzards, and listen to Cow Spiders. I could see it.
1: I can definitely see it. I don't think a it. cow spider would tell you anything that you should even consider listening to. I don't know, but I'm interested in, uh, after the show. <laughs> I don't show. Think they have your <clears throat> best interest in me. And what about, didn't the spiders, spiders are, were the only ones who could have ice cream? Or, or, what was that Rick and Morty? When this? Yeah, yeah.
0: well, well, they, <clears throat> they weren't the only ones who could have ice cream, but yeah, they, uh. They prevented them from getting ice cream, yeah.
1: Yeah, and now they double do it because they're the ones who make the ice cream. I know, right?
0: (laughs) I'm just excited after the show to Google image search cow spiders. (laughs) Actually, I should just look up, like, I I should try to find audio clips because I got to listen to them.
1: (laughs) Right, yeah. I got to listen to these cow spiders. I wonder if there's a cow spiders podcast. If there isn't, there's going to be.
0: Just titled, Listen to the Cow Spiders."
1: (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, We got another one, Pasty. With a white, white color called Ironic. (laughs) That might be my new name. (laughs) A white, white color called Ironic. (laughs) I was going to drop the white, but now I'm dropping Pasty. Now
0: you're doubling up on it. (laughs) I was going to drop it, but now I'm doubling up on it. A white, white color called Ironic. <laughs>
1: I kind of feel like when you say it twice, it, it's less bad. It cancels it out, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It's like a double <laughs> right. negative, right? Yeah. And now all of a sudden it's good again. <laughs> <laughs> also, I like how I'm just the fat. I love a No, right. I'm not the Fat. The Fat no, is the show.
2: Podcast, yeah, <laughs> the
0: fat is hosted by the Beep Six Podcast with a white white color called Ironic.
1: So this is the fat now. Time to chew the fat, Pasty! I feel like I need to make a song called A White White Color called Ironic. <laughs> and it's just gotta be me with an acoustic guitar. I mean it names itself. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> All right, let's get into the next one. Huh? Here we go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is your favorite profile, <laughs> Messy Church <Eric. laughs> And I listen to podcasts. <laughs> we all know he has a smartphone, and we all know he has the internet. We all know that he has that he is on his face. <laughs> And then they go to the to the podcast with sticks. What should I do now in the book? Otherwise. What should I do now in the book? <laughs> Otherwise. And then just walks away. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's your favorite anarchist, the anarchist Eric Cannon. And you're listening to Beef Sticks Podcast.
3: Look, we all know you have smartphones, we all know you have the internet, we all know you're
1: on Facebook. So go to Beef Sticks Podcast on Facebook and like it. Do it now. Or else. <laughs> I just love how
0: Messy Church Eric listens to podcasts. I wonder if he's from Notre Dame. It's
1: pretty messy right now, isn't it? A <laughs> <laughs> messy church Eric. I'll listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Vince
0: McMahon is going to fucking use that pretty pastor soon.
1: doesn't like me because I won't clean the church. I just use it to listen to my podcast then. I like the acoustics. We're going to have the fucking, uh, the
0: Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania 20- 2021 and drafted from NXT. The man formerly known as Kushida. Messy Church Eric. (laughs) He listens to podcasts. And this is not a gimmick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It could go for Eric Rowan too, I think. I think Eric Rowan. Eric Rowan. Messy messy Church Eric. Eric, Especially now that he's with Daniel Bryan. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) He just
0: comes down to the ring with earbuds. Doesn't even have a messy church. Has nothing to do with it. That's just his name. His name is Messy Mm. Church Eric. His gimmick. (laughs) Is he listens to podcasts? Uh. (laughs) Pacey, I never get sick of these. No. We could do Do a million of these. You don't want to overdo them because then you get desensitized to them. But damn, if these aren't just fun.
1: And And we're going to keep doing them.
0: You know, Pacey, I was worried. I was like, how how are we going to do it? Lost in Translation? We fucking delivered, Pacey. Yeah, we did. (laughs) We fucking delivered. I have to give a shout out to the English, to the Swedish, to the Spanish, and the Filipino. Because without their languages, we could not have done this. (laughs) Special shout out to Google Translate for always being there for us.
1: Unless we put too many words into it and then go to a language that uses symbols as text and then try to go back to a written language. Pacey. You can do that.
0: I figured out how you do it. Oh. You just delete it and re-put it in, and it'll take it.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: So we're going to start doing Good, some, no. some shit with yes. symbol languages now. I
1: think I think shit will get way <clears throat> weirder. Oh. That way. <clears throat> we're going to start using. <laughs> if, you, if you thought
0: shit was funny when it said, she is like you fucking boys who shake in my port while I clean poop. <laughs> Or things like, "Yes, I eat a janitor in the shower while shaking her," which makes sense, even though it doesn't. Just wait till we start throwing symbols in this shit. We're gonna have hieroglyphs, petroglyphs, ASL. One thing's for sure, pasty. All of these, not just not just today's lost in translation, but all of these lost in translations, will we'll be remembering these for centuries.
1: Which brings us to centuries. By Fallout Boy. Not by Maroon 5. No. I
2: Pacey mean, they could wouldn't... have a
1: song called Centuries, but I've never heard it.
2: <clears throat>
0: well, you know, Pacey's just a big Maroon 5 And mark, I know the song that so much he credit used to
1: sing on Guitar Hero <clears throat> was Centuries by Fallout Boy. I'm just saying, Pace, or Fat Mac is a
0: uh, huge mark for Maroon 5. He just throws them in everything, whether they deserve mm-hmm. it or
1: not. Whether they suck up the Super Bowl <clears throat> halftime show or not.
0: I've seen much worse. I'll just say that <laughs> Lady Gaga.
4: <clears throat> so we are finally made it. We're down in the basement of Stamford, Connecticut, and WWE headquarters, and and you're not gonna believe what we found. Now upstairs. We, we've snuck past the guards, and we've caused a distraction. We, we, I believe we're probably going to get arrested for this in the long run, but the, the truth needs to get out, and what we're seeing what we're seeing is just unfathomable. There There's test tubes, test tubes and bikers all over the place, Bunsen burners. There's a microwave in the corner with a burrito that I don't think has anything to do with this. But truly, truly, we have found what we thought we may over in the back room. It, it's kind of hidden behind a fake painting of Triple H, clad in nothing but a lawn cloth, and Stephanie grasping at his ample thigh. But behind that painting, we found a room—a room full of ungodly-like creatures. Creatures that that we can't describe. There's there's some sorts of tubes, a pink liquid, that all these creatures are in. Some some look like just just tiny little spermlets swimming around. Some infantile, but others others look like almost fully grown humans, fully grown humans with with biceps rippling and. And with six-pack abs, the which Arnold Schwarzenegger would be jealous of. There's just amazing hair on these individuals. Amazing hair that doesn't even need to be combed. I swear these bodies are hairless. I mean, there's not a bit of chest or armpit hair on any, any of these individuals. It's striking. Truly, we have found the layer in which Vince McMahon bio-duplicates his superstars for the future. I I know that a while back, one of our colleagues found a specimen and sent us a picture through camera phone. And years later, we've seen that same specimen on WWE TV, and it went by the name of a Braun Strowman. Now, folks, we, we're here and doing this for you. We're, we're risking a freedom to bring you the truth because we feel that no one should play God. No one, not even a Vincent Kennedy McMahon, should be able to pervert nature. And what we see here with these creatures, by God, there, there's women with bosoms so ample an ass for days but also with six pack abs and with biceps it's amazing I'm telling you their eyebrows are just impeccable this is the sort of thing that is not meant for humans and it's just it's, it's amazing and, and flabbergasting may be the only word for it oh
1: Hold on. I hear something.
4: Oh,
2: my God, run! Run! They're, They're coming! They're coming! Oh, God! Help us! Help us! If anything
3: else, I
2: hope you all just Spread the message. Man. Laying...
1: So centuries the message is playing God. The playing God. playing and by we, I mean Fat Mac. It was Diligent both of me. us. It
5: was
0: both of us. We came up with who's going to be on the list. I just did a little more research into what
1: happened to them. You, you are the history buff. I <clears throat> think this is a lot easier for you than it would have been for me. And, and you got hellacious amount of detailed information. As We're you said, straight. Pacey,
0: I am the wrestling nerd. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, Beef <B6> 6 Podcast <laughs> is known for doing its lists, but this, folks, is not a top 10 as it is the best wrestler of each decade of the last century which by the way we we shouldn't say best we should just say uh, well decade defining
2: yeah
0: yeah I agree with you more decade defining than best Uh, 100% when you think of this decade you think of this wrestler and Pacey I was really thrown off guard with with how simple this kind of was uh uh-huh. Other than a couple decades, they just kind of fell into place.
1: Yeah, and it just makes
0: all kinds of sense. Which also is a big kudos to how much they really did define that decade, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. And there wasn't even any debate between us. It was just like, yeah, no, this is... This is it, and I think I think the vast majority of people will probably agree with us too. I think, at least so. until you get into the more <clears throat> recent times.
0: There's a couple of asterisks I want to put, as you said, in more recent times. But I, I think that
1: it's too I think soon we made really the right call back and know, you know,
0: <clears throat> exactly the fact that we can look back in the 1910s and 1920s and know who it was unequivocally. Mm. I think is the way they're going to say, you know, a hundred years from now, they're going to know which one it was. Where We're a little more jaded and for reasons. Uh, Much more saturated. Obviously.
1: Yes. And we're going to go through this journey starting at 1910, going through 2010. And at the end, we're both going to cast our prediction for the top era defining wrestler of the 2020s. And in 10 years, we're going to look back, crack open that time capsule. And and we know we
0: will. Because you have set a Google alarm for 10 years from this date. Yes, I have. So as long as Google's still around, we will definitely have that.
1: Yes. So starting with 1910, we're coming in first with Frank Gotch. Why? Well, Frank Gotch is a true pioneer in the world of wrestling. The first American professional wrestler to win the world heavyweight freestyle championship. Take that, John Cena. Yeah. Gotch is credited by historians for popularizing what would what we would come to know as battle rap. Yes. No professional wrestling. He was a little of both. <laughs> Frank Gotch was world heavyweight wrestling champion in 1908. From 1908 to 1913. He competed back when the contests were largely legit, which makes that reign all the more impressive. Too right He has has wrestled in the rough and tumble mining camps of Alaska, in front of 31,000 fans in Chicago, and everywhere in between. He didn't make it to any of the southern states. Well, there were reasons. (laughs) <laughs> and Pro Wrestling Illustrated described Gotch as arguably the best North American champion professional wrestler of the 20th century. Can't argue that. <laughs> I No. Oh, God.
0: ahead. Well, well, I was just going to say, a lot of these older guys, a lot of folks may not know, but I'd like to think a good chunk of listeners know the name Frank Gotch oh, even if he they you know the zero name.
1: about him. You you know, might, yeah, you might have never seen a match. Well, you probably
3: probably haven't
1: never seen a match. Yeah. But you've heard the name. Yeah. And not just because of Simon Gotch. You and I have talked about him in the past. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I think he comes up fairly regularly. I think that's the case with most of these names, too. <clears throat> the man has a long list of career accomplishments. In the world of catch wrestling, he was uh, won the American catch-as-catch-can championship one time. So Wait, that's try the saying that seven times ACACCC. <laughs> <laughs> and he won the world catch-as-catch-can championship an additional one time. The WCACCC. <laughs> Man, the names of wrestling promotions just float off the tongue. <laughs> Don't been. they, though? Ah, uh, in the world of professional wrestling, he has the accolades of uh, holding the American Heavyweight Wrestling Championship a total of three times. He was the champion of Klondike, champion which is a fantastic title. <laughs> hey, you know what? The fucking Viking Raiders should
0: have that.
4: They <laughs> should get, a get the champion of
0: Klondike. Of Klondike. <laughs> they
1: need that. Give it to them. <laughs> You deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> and he won the World Heavyweight Wrestling Championship one time. Tragos. He, he's in the George <laughs> Tragos Tragos Tragos. He's in the George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame class of 1999. The professor. Uh, yeah. The Professor... No. The Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame and Museum, Class of 2002, Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame, Class of 1996, WWE Hall of Fame, Class of 2016, a little behind the times, if you ask me, Yeah. and Iowa Sports Hall of Fame, Class of 1951. They were on the ball.
0: Truly, I mean... This guy helped create professional wrestling.
1: The grandfather of professional wrestling, if you will.
0: There's not enough words we could speak. And the fact that none of us got to experience him is a shame. The same way it's going to be a shame that some folks will never experience Hulk Hogan or, or whatnot. It's... I have a I feeling. T- I
1: tell you what, though, the Frank Gotch experience sounds like a trippy ass laser light show.
0: <laughs> yeah, but do that before. Do that after you take the Viking experience ride <laughs> at, at at Knox Landing, Knoxberry Farm. Because <laughs> otherwise, you're going to end up Camp spewing. Snoopy. <clears throat> yeah, Knox Camp Snoopy. <laughs> Um yeah Frank Gotch you just can't say enough about him and like I said even most people who have never seen the man know his name you might not even know why you know his name but I'm sure Frank. you know the Frank Gotch name Yeah Uh moving on to another one that maybe you don't know the name of but it is well known if you're if you're a wrestling geek the 1920s We gave the nod to Ed the Strangler
1: Lewis. Stranger or Strangler? The
0: Strangler, despite what it might say. Okay. Ed, I used to sit on my left hand till it turned numb and jerk myself off Lewis. The inventor of the Stranger, that's how he got on this list. That man is a hero to us all. People are strange when you're a strangler. Uh, no, Ed the Strangler Lewis, <clears throat> and you may ask why? Well, Robert Frederick, which is Ed Lewis's real name, started wrestling at the age of fourteen at small carnivals and in farm towns throughout Middle America. <clears throat> in 1904, at the age of fourteen, Robert Frederick entered a wrestling ring in Madison, Wisconsin and actually won his first match. It was there that he became known as Ed Lewis as a disguise because, pasty, his parents did not approve of wrestling. On the celebration of this nation's alleged birth, July 4th, 1916, Ed Lewis was involved in the longest wrestling match in history, Pasty, in this day and age where some people don't want to sit through a 60-minute Ironman match, can you imagine? This guy had a wrestling match against Joe Stetcher, which was five and a half
1: hours. Jesus, that's almost as long as WrestleMania. (laughs) (laughs) That's Yeah, that's a whole WrestleMania. They still didn't
0: have a winner. It came to a draw.
1: That is the length of all the <clears throat> matches together in an eight-hour WrestleMania. Could you imagine? That's probably longer than being the in that ring matches. for that that's long. Insane. That would be insane, and in, in, very insane. You'd have to do a whole lot of rest holds, but I guess back then that's probably all it was. That's the majority of what
0: it was. Yeah, yeah. He would rest also holds, have his body slams. Yeah,
1: he would also have his
0: final match. The body slam was probably close to the finisher. That was that was one of the that was a near fall. He we should also watch standing. along
1: of that on the on the Patreon sometime. I'd I, do it. Would you be, do it? Can I we do would, it together?
0: I would if there if we can find it. I would most definitely do that with
1: you, Pasty. There's got to be like a, a picture show of it somewhere.
0: <laughs> um, ironically, movie, after piano. after the five and a half hour draw match to Joe Stetcher, he actually had his final match against Stetcher, winning and solidifying himself as a force all the way to the end of his career. Now, throughout his career, he'd won the American Wrestling Association AWA Heavyweight Championship twice, Championship Wrestling from Florida NWA Florida Heavyweight Championship once, Midwest Wrestling Association World Heavyweight Championship once, and the Ohio version of that title once, New York State Athletic Commission World Heavyweight Champion once, the George Tregos Luthers Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Class of 1999. Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame and Museum Class of 2002. WWE Hall of Fame Class of 2016. They just Wrestling got recognized at the same time Newsla- across the board. <laughs> Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame Class of 1996. And other championships he won, which I could not find exactly what these were. World Heavyweight Championship, Michigan, Illinois version once. And a title that is just called the World Heavyweight Championship four times, and I could not find an association, NWA, AWA, anything for that. So we're just taking it as it is. It was the World Heavyweight Championship. He won four times. That's what we're going with, Pasty.
1: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. That's a list of accolades. For the era of the 1930s. Of course, we had to give the nod to the legendary Jim Londos. Everybody knows Jim Londos. Yes, indeed. You may know him better as the Golden Greek. Jim Londos first wrestled clad in overalls as the Wrestling Plasterer. Alongside the Viking Express. In the (laughs) Bukaki Club.
0: (laughs) Ski, 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 ski.
1: And that gimmick, his name was Christopher Theophilus. Jeez, Vince would have a heyday shortening that down today. Yes. Thankfully, he dropped this in favor of wrestling under the name Jim Londos and losing the overalls and plaster. About fucking time. <laughs> plaster has no place in a wrestling ring. <laughs> <coughs> To compensate for his lack of wrestling ability, Londos accentuated his good looks and well-muscled physique and would match himself up against the ugliest opponents he could find. This technique succeeded, and Londos became one of the most popular wrestlers in the 1930s and early 1940s while continuing to attract large crowds until 1959. Considered as a national hero in native Greece, He once drew a crowd of nearly 100,000 fans there. The bonafide box office draw competed in 32 countries and was renowned for his willingness to wrestle as often as possible and once battled our 20s pick Ed Strangler Lewis to a grueling two-hour draw. Man, Ed just like those long matches.
0: I mean, that was nothing compared to the five-and-a-half-hour match. That was probably like his opening match. He never did
1: anything under 45 minutes. No.
0: That was not his his way.
1: Some of uh, Jim's career accomplishments. In the California State Athletic Commission, he won the World Heavyweight Championship two times. Maryland State Athletic Commission, he won the World Heavyweight Championship two more times. Did you just call that state Maryland? Maryland. All right, we'll go with that. Maruland. Maryland? <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead. Okay. In the National Wrestling Association, he won the World Heavyweight Championship once. In the New York State Athletic Commission World Heavyweight Championship, one time, which he unified with the NWA World Heavyweight Championship to become the first undisputed champion in history. That is not true, but that's coming up here pretty soon, pasty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you jumped the gun, buddy. He's in the George Trego's Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame class of 2015, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame and Museum class of 2002, Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame class of 1996, WWE Hall of Fame class of 2018. He's also won the World Heavyweight Championship Los Angeles version, the World Heavyweight Championship Maryland, Mar- Maryland. 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 Mar- Mar- Mark Lark. Marklar version All two are times. <laughs> World Heavyweight Championship Minneapolis version whoop whoop. once. The World Heavyweight Championship original recipe. That's the original crispy recipe.
0: One time is the one time. One time. One time. One time. Original version champion. <laughs> Folks, i he put wasn't it out. the
1: original World Heavy Wrestling Championship original version original. No.
0: But I'm going to put it out here. Jim Londos is the only name on this list that I did not know before researching this list. And you don't know
1: about the wrestling plasterer? The Christopher
2: Golden Theophilus. Greek Wrestling
1: Plasterer. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> I could not find... I mean, This was the best I could find for the 1930s. And I literally think from all the research I did, he was probably the best wrestler in the 30s. I just think the 30s was not a great year for pro wrestling. Well, they
1: said he doesn't have wrestling ability, but I think... You could kind of credit this guy with being the pioneer of sports entertainment. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely used what he had. Paul
0: Heyman would be proud of this guy. But up next is somebody who nobody would discriminate against, and I, I dare I say, everybody listening to this
1: knows the name. Could be the most iconic name on the list. Could be. Top two, probably. It, yeah, for sure. From the 1940s,
0: folk, you didn't know you knew somebody from the 1940s, but listen to this name and I'll bet you it'll ring a bell, Lou
1: Can Thes. you read it like you're in the 1940s? <laughs> well, coming in
0: from the 1940s here, folks, we got somebody I'm sure you're gonna know this is not the Stone Cold Steve Austin or the Hulk Hogan. No, there's not an immortal rattlesnake. Folks, we come to you here with a wrestling legend. His name is Lou Thaz, and I bet he will press ya.
1: How was that? I love that.
0: Awesome.
3: Can you I'm just a, podcast I'm like that I'm not going to do the whole
0: thing like that. Just, <laughs> I already knew you going <laughs> to. your gimmick now. <laughs> well, folks, it's the Beef Six Podcast. We're here to talk to you. Pasty, why you got anything
1: to say to the children at home? Oh, yes. This episode is going to be a real whiz-bagger.
0: Well, how do you do with that?
1: <laughs> All right, we're done.
0: Alois Martin Thez. Was smart to change his name to Lou. Um, <laughs> back then, though, people had very odd and feminine names. So, But Alois Martinthez was an American pe- professional wrestler. He held the NWA World Heavyweight Championship three times for Pacey, a combined total of 10 years, three months, and nine days. You have any idea how many days that is?
1: I'm going to take a quick stab in the dark and say 3,749. That's way fucking off, but it's actually 300.
0: No, I just fucked up my own joke, Pasty. It is 3,749 days. <laughs> I was going to say the exact same number, and then I said a different number. But, Pasty, that is longer than anyone else in history. Dun, da da. Luthes became an undisputed world heavyweight champion, as you alluded to earlier, by unifying all the major titles, asterisks, between the late 1940s and early 1950s into the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, which for years was the prestigious championship ever. This included Pacey, but was not limited to AWA Boston, AWA Indiana, Ohio, Colorado, MWA Ohio, Texas, St. Louis, Los Angeles, and NWA world title.
1: Jesus. Went around collecting gold like the Young Bucks. I'm telling you. Him and A-Double yeah. would have a lot to talk about. Luthez's
0: impact is still felt today, both here and abroad, Pasty, and I'll tell you why. Thez trained Antonio Inoki and Giant Baba. Now, some folks may not know those names, but those two would go on to take over Japan Pro Wrestling Alliance from Ricky Dozan. Some of you might not know the the Japan Pro Wrestling Alliance organization, but they ended up starting their own wrestling companies. Baba started the All Japan Pro Wrestling and Inoki started New Japan Pro Wrestling. So in a way, Pasty, we have Luthez to thank for Okada, Tanahashi, the Bullet Club, and the Elite. You could kind of say Luthez is responsible for all Elite Wrestling.
1: Yeah. You could say he's responsible for a lot of things, though. You could. Without the Luthez press, we wouldn't have Stone Cold. Well, let
0: me touch on that, Pasty. He's also credited with inventing a number of professional wrestling moves and holds, such as the belly-to-back waist lock suplex, which today is known as the German suplex, the Lufes press, as you talked about, which was made relevant in modern times by both Stone Cold Steve Austin and Mickie James, the step-over toe-hold face lock, or STF, used frequently by John Cena, and the original powerbomb, Pacey, which happened by accident. Do you Just want gonna me to tell you what up. happened there? What happened? He was going to take somebody up for a pile driver, and that person did not work with him. And as he started to go down, that person lifted up as to not break their neck, and Luthez dropped him. In a powerbomb maneuver. In what was a botched move. Botchamania would have had a heyday with that. A botched move by one of the best wrestlers ever in the world created the powerbomb.
1: One of the most widely used wrestling moves in the world.
0: Super famous and the winner of... How many people have won a world title with the powerbomb? Kevin Owens and Kevin (sighs) Nash and... Kevin Green and Kevin James. <laughs> Kevin Dunn. Kevin from Home Alone. And Kevin Nealon. Yeah, every Kevin, for sure. This man has a few more accomplishments than the last ones, but folks, get used to us rattling through these accomplishments because they are long, and we just need to acknowledge them.
1: They're long, strong, he- and down to get the friction on. Yes. So,
0: ladies, yeah, ladies. Uh, he won the American Wrestling Association World Heavyweight Championship, the American Wrestling Alliance, Indiana, Ohio, Colorado World Heavyweight Championship, International Wrestling Enterprise, TWWA Heavyweight Championship, Midwest Wrestling Association, Ohio, MWA Heavyweight Championship, Montreal Athletic Commission, MAC World Heavyweight Championship four times, Within the NWA, he won the Southern Tag Team Championship Mid-America version once with Jackie Fargo, the Pacific Coast Tag Team Championship Vancouver version with the Outlaw, International Heavyweight Championship once, World Heavyweight Championship three times, Sooner, Sooner. Soon you're going to hear more. Southern Junior Heavyweight Championship twice. World Heavyweight Championship St. Louis once. NWA Hall of Fame Class of 2005. Also the National Wrestling Association, which is not the NWA. World Heavyweight Championship three times. Southwest Sports Inc. Texas Heavyweight Championship three times. He is part of the Stampede Wrestling Hall of Fame. St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame Class of 2007. Universal Wrestling Association World Heavyweight Champion once. Worldwide Wrestling Associates International Television Tag Team Championship with Sailor Art Thomas. Yes, the classic
1: ITTTC. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> World Wrestling Associates World Heavyweight Championship once. Cauliflower Alley Club My- Iron Mike Mazurik Award. Pro Wrestling Illustrated Stanley Weston Award 1982. Missouri Sports Hall of Fame, class of 2002. George Tragos Luthez, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, class of 1999. Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, class of 2002. World Championship Wrestling Hall of Fame, class of 1993. Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame, class of 1996. World Wrestling Federation WWE Legends Battle Royal winner, 1987. And Hall of Fame, class of 2016. Whoo! other championships he was twice the world heavyweight wrestling champion and twice the world heavyweight champion of Los Angeles. Wow. And that's just it. half the list, folks. <laughs> We've only made it to the 1950s. I hope you're as much of a nerd as
1: Fat Mac is. Oh, I love it. And uh I love this. I love it. <laughs> The 1950s, of course. We had to hand over to the legend, the Minnesota man, Vern Ganya. Why, you might ask? Shut the fuck up and listen. Laverne Clarence Ganya, although synonymous with the Midwest, actually had his pro wrestling start in Tejas Wrestling. Abe King Kong Cashley, Cashy, Cashy in his first match before returning to his roots in Minnesota. Gagne quickly became one of the well-known stars in wrestling during the golden age of television, thanks in part to his exposure on the Dermont Network, where he (laughs) wowed audiences with his technical prowess. He was rumored to be one of the highest-paid wrestlers during the 1950s, reportedly earning $100,000 a year. That's over $1 million in 2019 money, folks. That's I know that pretty... doesn't seem
0: like much compared to the big-budget WWE guys, but think of where pro wrestling was back then. Yeah,
1: yeah. That and what
0: is... baseball players were making back then when baseball was the biggest sport. I mean, that's
1: huge. Yeah. In 1960, Ganya formed his own promotion, the American Wrestling Alliance. Later, it became association. Before this, the Minneapolis Territory was under the National Wrestling Alliance, NWA umbrella. Frustrated by not getting title opportunities in the area, the Minneapolis Territory, as it was known, gave the edict to the NWA that NWA World Champion Pat O'Connor defended his title. Oh, Oh, fucking. You're there. Frustrated by not getting title opportunities in the area, the Minneapolis Territory, as it was known, gave an edict to the NWA that NWA world champion Pat O'Connor defended his title against Vern Gagne within 90 days. Vern would become recognized as a new world champion by the upstart company due to forfeit. Vern took an increasing interest in the management of AWA and eventually became the sole shareholder of the company. Soon, under the tutelage of Gania, the AWA was picked up by by ESPN and ran events in New York, California, Canada, Mexico, plus Europe and the Middle East. Damn. Gagne was known for putting on an old-school show. He sought wrestlers with amateur backgrounds over the hulking brutes who dominated New York in the 1980s. Oh yeah, he also discovered Sergeant Slaughter, Kurt Henning, Scott Hall, Mean Gene, Baron Ron Rashke, Rick Rude, Larry Zabisco, and gave Terry Balea his name, the Incredible Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Just to let you know, Mean Gene is a legume. Yes, he is very much so. <clears throat> and another lengthy list of career accomplishments in the category of amateur wrestling in the under the Amateur Athletic Union, the AAU. He won the Robbinsdale High School Athletic Hall of Fame inaugural class, 2013. Northwestern AAU Championship in 1942, the NCAA Championship in 1948 and 1949, the Big Ten Conference Championship four times in 1944, 1947, 48, and 49, the Minnesota State Championship in 1943, the NCAA Championship 1948 and 1949, member of the 1948 United States Olympic team Our
0: first Olympian on the list And this is all before professional wrestling No shit That alone gives you a Hall of Fame career right
1: there Doesn't Mm -hmm. it? Like why even bother going to wrestling You're good You've done enough But he didn't And this was just the beginning Because in the world of professional wrestling In the Cauliflower Alley Club Which Is just a great name he won you, the NWA United States Heavyweight Championship Chicago version two times. Do you know why why it's called the Cauliflower Alley Club? Is it because of boxed
0: ears? It is. It is. And I think we need to explain that to like folks.
1: Like back alley boxing?
0: Well, no, it's from uh, amateur wrestlers would wear uh, headgear that covered their ears so they wouldn't get boxed ears. Mm-hmm. And the more you wore it. It would deform your ears. People like Brock Lesnar and so many other amateur wrestlers have yeah. what they call cauliflower ear where it, your ear looks funked up. See, now, it's it's not, not like Mick Foley funked up but look at Brock I always thought cauliflower Lesner.
1: ear came from getting hit in the head like in your ears and the swelling no, and it just Literally the exact opposite. It was from
0: <laughs> having the, the protective gear over your ear and having it scrunched in so
1: often. So it was just a horrible assumption by humanity.
0: I, I suppose so.
1: Go on, though. I hate to interrupt. Uh, He won. We're just going to start from the top again. Go for it. Uh, He won the NWA United States Heavyweight Championship, Chicago version two times. The International Pro Wrestling IWA World Heavyweight Championship. The NWA World Tag Team Championship, Chicago version one time with Edward Carpentier. In the American Wrestling Association, he held the AWA World Heavyweight Championship a grand total of 10 times. Damn! That is pretty epic. The NWA World Tag Team Championship, Minneapolis version, four times with Bronco Nogurski, and one time with Leo Nomelli, and. Twice with Leo Nomelli. Oh, twice with Nomelli, and once with Butch Levy. Go Butch Levy! <coughs> AWA World Tag Team Championship four times with Moose Evans. No, four times. God, this is... <laughs> you gotta write things for reading. Oh, sorry! <laughs> I tried to scrunch it. The AWA World Tag Team Championship four times. Once with Moose Evans, once with Connor the Crusher. Yes! Yes! Once with Billy Robinson and once with Mad Dog Vashon. The AWA Omaha Heavyweight Championship five times. The AWA United States Heavyweight Championship two times. Under the National Wrestling Alliance, he won the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship one time. The NWA Texas Heavyweight Championship two times. The A- NWA World Tag Team Championship Texas version. Once with Wilbur Snyder in professional pro wrestling illustrated, he won the Stanley Weston award of 1986 professional wrestling hall of fame class of 2004, won Tokyo sports match of the year award 1981 versus giant Baba on January 18th. The George Tragos Lucez professional wrestling hall of fame class of 1999 World Championship Wrestling Hall of Fame Class of 1993, World Wrestling Entertainment Hall of Fame Class of 2006, and the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame Class of 1996. Damn. You know, Pasty,
0: I am going to put this out here right now. Even though you are a native of uh, Minnesota and I grew up the majority of my life in Minnesota... We gave no I'm a native preference. Of Minnesota.
1: You're just a native. In Minnesota.
0: <laughs> I like that. We gave no preference to Vern Gagne. And we hope that reading his accomplishments and his bio, you understand that. Yeah. Because he deserved everything he got. And he literally was, of, of the decade of the 1950s, Vern Gagne was the man and deserves every accolade that we could possibly give him.
1: 100,000% Fuck yeah. Vern Gagne is the man. And we didn't even put Gagne, on there Gagne West. We didn't even put on
0: there but but Pacey in, in his final years of his life while he was put in a nursing home <laughs> the man literally killed another nursing home attendant while body slamming him. Yep. That alone should give him the fucking wrestler of the century award.
1: Wasn't I mean, it for saying wrestling was fake or some shit?
0: Um, I don't know that. My understanding was it was all a um, dementia thing and just was awkward and had nothing to do with anything really, but okay, I like the story that it was because he said wrestling was fake even better. <laughs> right. I like that story, and we should go with fake? that.
1: Y- you just died. <laughs> That's pretty real to me. Pats his hands together as he walks away, <laughs> satisfied, goes to take a nap. Oh, we're
0: moving closer to our time, Pasty. And the names but get more and
1: more familiar.
0: They do. We're still not in the area era that we lived in. But I think the rest of the names, everybody's going to know fairly well and probably even seen, even if it was in their latter years. 1960, we got Harley Race. Harley Leland Race covered a complete map of the territories, Pasty, including wrestling for all of the major wrestling promotions, which included the NWA National Wrestling Alliance, the AWA American Wrestling Association, which Vern Gagne headed, World Championship Wrestling, not the WCW folks, different, and the World Wrestling Federation. There aren't too many people alive today that have accomplished what the self-proclaimed greatest wrestler on God's green earth has. Harley Race has etched his name in the record books of professional wrestling and will forever be known as the King of the Ring. It has been said that there are two men in the world that Andre the Giant feared. Basically, those two men were Haku and Harley Race. In 1978, he had a series of violent matches throughout the Midwest with the original Sheik, not to be confused with the Iron Sheik. Culminating in a bloody two by four with a nail in it match in front of twelve thousand three hundred and thirteen at Kobo Hall. That's a great
1: title for a match.
0: So for all of you CZW fans who think that you were on to something fucking new in twenty or two thousand four. 1978, they were bleeding everywhere with a two-by-four with a nail in a match. One nail, not a bunch of nails
1: to distribute the pressure.
0: No, one <laughs> solid piercing nail. Race engaged in title versus title matches with WWF champions, superstar Billy Graham and Bob Backlund, all of which were runners-up in this list, as well as AWA champion Nick Bockwinkle, who also was. Race toured extensively all over the world, including Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, and many stints in Japan, where he was heralded as a superstar. On October 13th, 1978, Harley Race body slammed Andre the Giant pasty. And this was five years before Hogan's epic WrestleMania 3 moment in the Silver Dome, which is credited as the first time anybody ever body slammed Andre the Giant.
2: Of Which, in reality,
0: was about the 27th time.
1: <laughs> right, right. But still. I mean, what else are you going to do to the guy? That's 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 what you do.
0: You, you body slam him, and you lay underneath him while he pins you. That's it. <laughs> Harley Race has a list of accomplishments also. American Wrestling Association World Tag Team Champion three times pasty, all three times with Larry the Axe Hennig, known to some of you as Mr. Perfect's father. Eastern Sports Association IW North American Heavyweight Championship once. IWA, that would be in Australia, World Tag Team Champion one time, again with Larry the Axe Henning. In the National Wrestling Alliance, Pasty.
1: Oh boy, this is going to take me a
0: moment. NWA Central States Heavyweight Championship nine times. NWA Florida Tag Team Championship three times. Twice with Roger Kirby. Once with Bob Roop. NWA Georgia Heavyweight Championship twice. NWA Macon Tag Team Championship once with Buddy Colt. That's Macon, Georgia from some of you folks. That's what I was hoping.
1: That's what I was hoping. Macon
0: County, Georgia. Uh, NWA Maple Leaf Wrestling Heavyweight Champion, NWA Mid-American Heavyweight Championship twice, NWA Missouri Heavyweight Champion seven times, NWA New Zealand World Heavyweight Champion, NWA North American Tag Champion twice, once with Baron Von Raschke and once with Roger Kirby, NWA Southern Heavyweight Champion, NWA United National Champion, NWA United States Heavyweight Champion, NWA World Heavyweight Champion, eight times times. nwa world heavyweight champion florida once nwa world heavyweight champion new zealand again maybe once don't know how that works nwa world heavyweight championship once oh then he moved up to canada we got stampede wrestling north american heavyweight championship once in the World Wrestling Association, he had the heavyweight championship in the World Wrestling Console in Puerto Rico, was the Caribbean heavyweight champion. 1986, he won the World Wrestling Federation King of the Ring. Pro, Pro Wrestling Illustrated named gave him the match of the year twice. 1973 versus Dory Funk Jr. on May 24th, and 1979 against the American Dream, baby, Dusty Rhodes on August 21st. He also got Wrestler of the Year in both 1979 and 83. He got Match of the Year again in 1983 versus Ric Flair on June 10th, and he got the Stanley Weston Award in 2006. We mentioned that he was a big name over in New Japan. Well, Tokyo Sports gave him the match of the year in 1978 versus Jumbo Saruta on January 20th. Cauliflower Alley Club gave him the Iron Mike Mazurki Award in 2006. He got the George Tragos Luthes Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, class of 2005, Missouri Sports Hall of Fame, class of 2013, NWA Hall of Fame, class of 2005, Stampede Wrestling Hall of Fame, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Museum, class of 2004, St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame, class of 2007, World Championship Wrestling Hall of Fame, class of 1994, WWE Hall of Fame, class of 2004, Wrestling Observer <sighs> Newsletter. He got Wrestler of the Year in 1980 and 1981, Match of the year from 1983 versus Ric Flair at Starrcade and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame Class of
2: 1996.
0: Oh, woo! Got that.
1: Alrighty then, man. I uh, will definitely be over-listing accolades after this segment.
0: <laughs> Why are these people just, they, they need to be not as good so we don't have to spew. I mean, I went through it multiple times and like, I, I took out multiple accomplishments <laughs> that I didn't think need to be stated, pasty. And there's so many on here and it's like, God damn, I really just uh, got to give them the credit where credit's due.
1: Well, I guess that end of things starts to get a little bit easier here. Because they're a little bit more focused in their careers going forward. I think so. Yeah.
0: So for that the 1970s list, I don't know. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that might have been the longest list of accolades right
1: there. I think it. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. I'm glad I didn't have to read it. Oh, Although uh, oh, Vern's was pretty. Uh, I thought I was gonna die a couple of times getting through that one. <laughs> right. Whew. Why are they going to have different versions of a championship for a different. Of the it's, same. It's the
0: same company. Every state had their own
1: <laughs> fucking version. God damn you all.
0: Uh-huh. He even had to have like a, a fucking. What did he. He had two New Zealand titles. What the fuck is that? NWA New Zealand World Heavyweight Championship and NWA World Heavyweight Championship New Zealand. I don't know. Maybe that was one title reign. <laughs> fuck if I know. <laughs> When I looked it up, they were
1: two separate things. He just won it once there and once there, maybe. Oh, no. Go ahead. All right. So we're coming up to the 1970s, and for the 1970s is a very household name, of course, Bruno San Martino. Bruno Leopold Francesco San Martino. That should have been his fucking ring name. Fuck. He should have been Leopold Francesco. Oh, I like that too. I like that. That's just beautiful. Beautiful name for a beautiful man. Butters Leopold <laughs> Stotch.
0: <laughs> you could have went with that. Yes. Bruno Butters, I, I dig it.
1: He was an Italian-born American professional wrestler, best known for his work with the World Wrestling Federation. There he held the WWF World Heavyweight Championship for more than 11 years. That's 4,040 days across only two reigns. Damn. The first of which is the longest single title reign in the promotion's history at 2,803 days. I think most folks now know the San Martino story. So we won't go too far in depth. Bruno's brother, brother and sister both passed away at young ages. And Adolf Hitler's Nazi forces seized their town. But Bruno persevered by hiding in Villa Roca Mountain during the German occupation, and eventually joined his immigrant father in Pittsburgh, of all fucking places, in 1950. <laughs> San Martino grew to become one of the strongest men on the planet. After setting the world record in 1959 by bench-pressing 565 pounds, Damn. San Martino Caught the eye of Vincent J. McMahon Senior and went pro instantly. In nineteen sixty-nine he tamed with teamed, he tamed Strange with Tony Marino. Damn right you did. To win the WWF Intercontinental Tag Team Championship by defeating the rising suns, Tanaka and Mitsu Arakawa. Company policy meant that San Martino could not hold two championships simultaneously. Who's ever heard of that? So he was replaced by Victor Rivera San Martino worked as commentator Commentator (laughs) Commentator He is That (laughs) motherfucker was a
0: commentator Let me tell you what Always just screwing people up
1: He was a commentator On commentary For the Universal Wrestling Federation He also worked NWA at WCW for a short time Including guest refereeing Ric Flair and Sting Taking on Terry Funk and the Great Muda In a Thunderdome cage match Damn! At at the NWA, PPV, Halloween Havoc And a series of WCW matches Between Flair and Randy Savage in 1996 Who knows? Yes, indeed. His list of career accomplishments includes Maple Leaf Wrestling NWA Intercontinental Tag Team Championship with Whipper Billy Watson, the NWA United States Heavyweight Championship, World Wrestling Association, WWA World Tag Team Championship with Dick Bruiser. Bruise dick, bitch. I love that name. (laughs) I want that in WWE now. Right. World Wrestling Council North American Heavyweight Championship. Worldwide Wrestling Federation, WWF WWE. He won the WWF Intercontinental Tag Team Championship two times. Once with Dominic DiNucci and once with Tony Marino the WWF United States Tag Team Championship one time with Sprios Arion. The three doubles in an F World Heavyweight Championship twice and the WWE Hall of Fame Class of 2013. Pro Wrestling Illustrated recognized him as a five-time Match of the Year recipient once in 1972 Battle Royal on January 14th. Los Angeles, 1975, versus Sprios Arion on March 17th. New York City, 1976, versus Stan Hansen on June 25th. Queens, New York, 1977, versus superstar Billy Graham on April 30th. Baltimore, Maryland, 1980, versus Larry Zbysko. Steel Cage Showdown at Shea Stadium. Stadium! I hope I didn't read that whole thing with the wrong cadence. It was very... <laughs> you did, but, but there's also stadium!
0: <laughs> I mean, you can either go back and do it again or just leave it
1: as is. At the Superdome! <laughs> Good old Hulk Hogan. <clears throat> I love that saying Superdome will always be synonymous with Hulk Hogan. Now. I
0: know, isn't it sad
1: but
2: also <laughs> awesome? <laughs>
1: He says something racist and they make them tear, they tear down the venue. That's just gone now.
2: <laughs> Silverdome!
1: Boom! Inspirational Wrestler of the Year 1976. Wrestler of the Year 1974. The Stanley Weston Award of 1981. Wrestling Observer Newsletter recognizes him in the Feud of the Year 1980 versus Larry Zabisco. And he's in their Hall of Fame class of 1996. Keystone State Wrestling Alliance Hall of Fame Class of 2012 Good beer. Professional (laughs) Wrestling Hall of Fame Class and Museum of 2000 Class 2 Class 1
2: I like that one Pro
1: pro
0: Wrestling Hall and Class of Museum (laughs) It gets hard Oh shit I know You've been through the shit Oh yeah it's <laughs> <laughs>
2: worldwide
0: <laughs> Wrestling
1: <laughs> Alliance Hall of Fame class of 2008. And I'm done with that one. Folks, if if you only know the
0: name, I strongly consider, if you do nothing else, go watch his matches versus Larry Zabisco. Because that was definitely a huge blood feud. That I'm pretty was just sure they have a awesome. San Martino
1: collection on the network, too.
0: They, uh, If they don't then I'm unsubscribing because I'm 95% sure they do. So, yeah, they definitely do. Go check them out. Check it out. He is worth it. So now we're moving into um, not only a class of wrestlers that I think most of y'all know, but I'm moving to the wrestler that made me fall in love with pro wrestling and to this date, my favorite pro wrestler of all time, 1980s, I don't even have to say it. Y'all know who it is, <laughs> it's but the I'm going to say it anyways. It's, it's Hog Hogan. It's Ric <laughs> According to IGN, the man born Terry Jean Balea is, quote, the most recognized wrestling star worldwide. Terry Funk introduced Balea to the company owner slash promoter, Vincent J. McMahon Sr., who was impressed with his charisma and physical stature. McMahon wanted to use an Irish name and gave Balea, who was... Who had been wrestling as Terry Boulder, the last name of Hogan. He also wanted Hulk to dye his hair red. Hogan claims his hair was already beginning to fall out by that time and told Vince Sr. I'll be a blonde Irish brother. During this first WWF run, Hogan was a heel. I know most people might not believe that, but he was. And he had classy Freddie Blassie as his manager, wrestling the likes of Bob Backlund and Andre the Giant, who were two of the biggest faces at the time. He went on to main event in both the AWA and New Japan, where he defeated Antonio Inoki in the finals of a 10-man tournament to become pasty. A lot of folks don't realize this right now, Even, even the big wrestling geeks who love New Japan... Hogan was the first ever IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. That's crazy. It's a title that is arguably the most prestigious in the business to this day. But then he returned to the WWF for Vince's son, Vincent Kennedy McMahon Jr. The Hulkster main evented the first eight WrestleManias, the largest wrestling show in the world, and Hogan main evented the first eight. He also won the Royal Rumble in both 1990 and 1991, making him the first person to win two consecutive Royal Rumbles before jumping to WCW and being a founding member of the NWO, not to be confused with now. Hulk is a six-time WWF or WWE champion, six-time WCW World Heavyweight champion and even held the WWE World Tag Team Championship for a while with Edge, which a lot of people forget. His six combined reigns make him the second longest reigning WWF champion of all time after our 70s pick Bruno Sammartino, having held the title for 1,474 days from 1984 to 1988. His six combined reigns in WCW make him the actual longest reigning WCW World Heavyweight Champion of all time, as well with a 469-day reign from 1994 to 1995. He has starred in or appeared in more than 15 movies, as well as several appearances on TV shows, some of which he starred in or hosted, such as Hogan Knows Best, Celebrity Championship Wrestling, China, Illinois on the Adult Swim Network, and 2008's
1: American Gladiators Reboot. I kind of love China, Illinois. God, I do love it. That's a great show. (laughs) I mean, it's no Super Jail.
0: Uh, I like it better than Super Jail, but agree to disagree. I'm with you there. Obviously, he has many career accomplishments. You all know Hogan, but some of these might surprise you. First off, let's start someplace you didn't expect us to start, New Japan Pro Wrestling. We said he was the inaugural IWGP Heavyweight Champion. He only hold, held that once, but he also won the IWGP League Tournament in 1983, and he won twice the World Tag League Tournament, both in 82 and 83, with Antonio Anoki. He won NWA a National Wrestling Alliance Southern Heavyweight Championship Northern Division once. Why there's a fucking Southeastern Heavyweight Northern Division? There's way too many fucking directions in North, that. South, East, Bout and West. But he also had NWA Northeastern Heavyweight Championship Southern Division twice. So there you go. Tokyo Sports named him the best gaijin In 1983, for those of you who don't know the wrestling terminology, that is the best foreigner wrestler. He also got Match of the Year in 1991 against Generico tenru on December 12th, 1991. World Championship Wrestling, he's only ever won one of their titles, that being the Heavyweight Championship, but he won it six times. Casey, that surprised me when looking all of this up and doing my research. I thought he would have held more titles there, but he was the man. In World Wrestling Federation, World Wrestling Entertainment, he was WWE Tag Team Champion once with Edge, as we said, WWF World Heavyweight Champion six times, as we said, and he is a WWE Hall of Famer, Class of 2005. Pro Wrestling Illustrated has named him Inspirational Wrestler of the Year in both 1983 and 1999. He was the most popular wrestler of the year in 1985, 89, and 90. He got Feud of the Year in 1986 versus Paul Orndorff, Wrestler of the Year three times. Those were in 1987, 1991, and 1994. He has had... Four matches of the year 85 with Mr. T versus Rowdy Piper and Paul Orndorff at WrestleMania 1. 88 versus Andre the Giant at the main event on NBC. 1990 versus the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 6. And in 2002, believe it or not, versus The Rock Dwayne Johnson at WrestleMania 18. He also got comeback of the year in 1994 and 2002. That's crazy to have Comeback of the Year that far apart. Most Hated Wrestler of the Year in 96 and 98 as part of the MWO, and he was ranked number one of the top 500 singles wrestlers in the very first inaugural PWI 500 back in 1991. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter, as much as they like to shit on him, has also given him so many accolades. Best Babyface 10 times pasty. From 1982 to 1981, most charismatic six times. He got that from 1985, 86, 87, 89, 90, and 91. He got feud of the year, also with Observer Newsletter for versus Paul Orndorff in '86. Best gimmick in 1996 as a founding member of the NWO. Best box office draw in 1997. And he got Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame Class of 1996. Let's not forget Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame and Museum Class of 2003.
1: Accolades for days. Too right. I mean, he's Hulk fucking Hogan. We really could have just said Hulk Hogan and walked away from it there. Arguably the biggest
0: name on this list. Yeah. maybe only second to the next name on this list
1: you'd say second to maybe i think, think at the same maybe. level i don't i don't know i think it's the same maybe i think, I think it yeah. depends okay okay yeah, it's coming into the 1990s this one it could have been a little bit up in the air this one was uh, up in the
0: air there were a few names in this hat There's a lot of people who defined
1: the Attitude Era, and that's what we were in in the mid-to-late 1990s. But the man we have decided on is none other than Stone Cold Steve Austin. Cue breaking glass.
0: I was going to break my sliding door glass just for this, and then I was
2: like...
1: (laughs) Got a sledgehammer ready next to the desk and everything.
0: (laughs) I was like, no, no I won't.
1: It's Minnesota, it could still snow again.
0: I could just download the Breaking Glass music
1: and play it right now. Proudly raising his middle fingers in the faces of everyone who dared to oppose him, Stone Cold Steve Austin was the blue-collar warrior of the common man, clad in jeans and black leather, often soaked in beer. The rattlesnake-born Stephen James Anderson, later Stephen James Williams, before legally changing it to Steve Austin. God damn. He was trained by gentleman Chris Adams and began wrestling in world class championship wrestling and U.S. Wrestling Association before working for Ted Turner's World Championship Wrestling in 1991. The stunning Steve Austin. As stunning Steve Austin, he formed a team with flying Brian Pillman, and the duel would unify the NWA and WCW World Tag Titles, defeating Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas. After being flared by Eric Bischoff by way of FedEx, Steve made his way to ECW for a quick moment in 1995, honing his promo skills before moving to WWF. Yes. <clears throat> After winning the '96 King of the Ring, he coined the phrase Austin 316 and blew up from there, soon becoming the hottest and best-selling wrestler of all time. Thanks in large to his feud with Vince McMahon, Austin's antics helped WWF take the lead in the Monday Night Wars, including driving a Zamboni to the ring, soaking Vince and his Stooges with beer from a beer truck he drove to ringside. Filling Vince's corvette with cement Making Vince piss his pants By firing a fake gun at him Attacking Vince with a bedpan While in a hospital And even stunning Santa Claus Santa's in soul. We won't talk about his Grocery store wrestling match With Booker T though That was awesome I loved it so much <clears throat> Although walking out of the company on two separate occasions, he was always welcomed back, even getting his own, albeit short-lived, show on the WWE Network, arguably killed by Dean Ambrose.
0: Um, more than arguably. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be fair, who here doesn't know Stone Cold Steve Austin, and who listening to this doesn't have... Fond memories of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, he's the best.
1: Except for at podcasting right now.
0: Uh, I've been behind on him, so.
1: It's I still think... classic well, episodes. Isn't he, isn't he
0: doing classic yeah, episodes? Yeah. He, yeah, I don't It's, think a, it's a permanent it
1: hiatus or indefinite hiatus. Yeah. Poor guy. I hate indefinite because you never know.
0: Well, hence the term indefinite. <laughs> Wow, Pacey, way to fucking spell (laughs) that one out for us.
1: Go ahead. Oh, yeah, Stone Cold has a nice list of career accomplishments. In WCW, winning the World Heavyweight... Winning the World Television Championship two times, uh, the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship another two times, and the World... Championship Wrestling World Tag Team Championship, the WCWWTTC, <laughs> with Brian Pillman. As the Hollywood Blog. <laughs> In WWF WWE. He won the WWF. Blah, 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 blah. He won the WWF Intercontinental Championship twice. The Million Dollar Championship one time. WWF Tag Team Championships four times once with Shawn Michaels, once with Dude Love, once with The Undertaker and once with Triple H he won the WWF Championship a grand total of six times, he was King of the Ring 1996 and inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2009 professional wrestling uh, uh, he's in the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame class of 2016 Pro Wrestling Illustrated deemed him Rookie of the Year 1990, Match of the Year 1997 versus Bret Hart in a submission match at WrestleMania 13, Most Popular Wrestler of the Year 1998, Feud of the Year 1998-1999 versus Vince McMahon, Wrestler of the Year 98-99 and 2001, and Most Hated Wrestler of the Year in 2001. That's a nice double title damn right <clears throat> he was also ranked number one of the top 500 singles wrestlers in the PWI 598 and 99 Woo. just want to make sure I wasn't doubling up on things but wrestling Observer almost there. newsletter <laughs> deemed him rookie of the year in 1990 tag team of the year in 93 with Brian Pillman as the Hollywood Blondes best brawler in 2001 best heel in 1996 Four-time best on interviews, 96 through 98 and 2001. Match of the year, 1997. WrestleMania 13, Bret Hart submission match. Unanimous. Mm -hmm. Best gimmick, 97-98. Most charismatic, 97-98. Feud of the year, 97 versus the Hart Foundation. Feud of the year, 98-99 versus who other than Vince McMahon? Damn right. Wrestler of the Year, 98. Best Box Office Draw, 98-99. Best Non-Wrestler, 2003. That's a first. Yeah. Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame, Class of 2000. I'm surprised he didn't get a feud of the year for With the Rock. I guess that was still all tied to Vince, but... Yeah, he
0: never really did. I don't think those two were ever the main story, even though... They headlined three WrestleManias. I believe it was 97, 99
2: in 2001. Yeah.
0: So you got to give them that. Uh, yeah. Between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan, those are probably to everybody listening today, the biggest names in pro wrestling history at this time. Obviously some of the folks we already talked to, to other people are the biggest names. And obviously, to generations younger than us, they are the same as a uh, as a Gotch or a Race or a Ganya, which is weird to think of Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin as that. But it's going to be that pasty. That's yeah. going to happen. Time moves on. Holy shit! We moved on to a new millennium. Welcome to the year 2000. This was another one that you could argue. The the last three, maybe four, you can make good arguments for. But, Pacey, both you and I agreed that they were the solid winners. And not even with a lot of thinking. There were were ones that, that piqued your interest, like... Maybe this person, but there was never a good argument for that other person. And going into the 2000s, we had Hunter Hurst. Well, no, we didn't have Hunter Hurst Townsley. We had Triple H. Paul Michael
2: Levesque.
0: The? Okay, there you go. Is <laughs> the king of kings. And pasty that's a pretty apt moniker, considering he is essentially WWE royalty. A 14-time world champion, the game has clashed with a who's who of legends to seize his throne. The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, John Cena, hell, even WWE Chairman Vince McMahon, each decimated by the sledgehammer-wielding cerebral assassin.
1: He's never used that sledgehammer the right way,
0: though. No, although I've recently heard, not confirmed, heard, that he only once used a gimmick um, sledgehammer. And the one time he used a gimmick sledgehammer is when he actually hurt somebody with it. (laughs) (laughs) And it was Undertaker. (laughs) I'm sure the weight's all wrong, you know what I
1: mean? (laughs) That's
0: from a Something to Wrestle with podcast. So, uh, yeah, allegedly, only one time he used a gimmick sledgehammer, and that's the only time he's literally (laughs) hurt somebody with it. Um, I do want to note, though, and I I think our fans would be upset if we didn't note this, Pasty, he has been known to use his golden shovel just as much, if not more, ...than his sledgehammer.
1: Yeah. Very
0: political this man is. Well,
1: you gotta be political to get where you're at now.
0: He has methodically and systematically usurped the sport, capturing almost every major WWE championship. The King of the Ring crown, two Royal Rumble victories, and the marquee spot in several matches at WrestleMania all throughout a career that spans nearly two decades, Pastey. He was trained by Killer Kowalski. Levesque had little success in his early career, including a year in WCW. It wasn't until he made his way into the WWF and befriended the clique, which consisted of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Sean Waltman, that his stars started to rise. As part of the infamous curtain call, Hunter's rise was almost stopped before it started, though, being the only, quote, punishable wrestler involved in the incident, as both Hall and Nash had left, and Shawn Michaels was too big to fail, as they say. Despite this setback, though, he still rose to prominence, eventually co-founding DX with Shawn Michaels. And after Sean got injured, well, Triple H assumed the leadership role and he ended up recruiting Road Dog, Billy Gunn, and the recently returned X-Pac to create what some would call the best incarnation of DX. It was during this time he kayfabe married Vince's daughter Stephanie, which led to a real-life relationship and marrying into the McMahon Empire. He was also a founding member of Evolution, which propelled both Dave Bautista and Randy Orton into superstardom. He is currently WWE Executive Vice President of Talent, Live Events, and Creative, as well as founder and senior producer of NXT. Now, to you, Pacey, and everybody listening, whether you feel he earned his place due to hard work and talent or through marriage and politics... You truly cannot deny the impact he made in the 2000s, which has often been dubbed Triple H's reign of terror. You know, Pasty, I, as much as anybody, am the biggest anti-Triple H guy. Yeah. But when we're looking at decades and who controlled the decades, I'm not taking anything away of Triple H. Not mentioning how he got it Let's just say who is what it is Mm. Calling a spade a spade Triple H was the biggest name Of the 2000's So say Fat Mac and Pasty White
1: Yes indeed Very truly And I think it took a little bit of everything You know talent hard work And marrying your way into the family I think Doesn't hurt I don't think Vince would have let him marry Stephanie if, If he wasn't a good worker You know what I mean but, and he was always very loyal to the company He was the general always. at the helm of the Monday Night Wars So
0: let's put his career into numbers As we have with everyone so far Yes indeed International Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship International Wrestling Federation Tag Team Championship With Perry Saturn Nice Nice World Wrestling Federation and also World Wrestling Entertainment Champions goes to the WWF European Championship twice, WWF or WWE Intercontinental Championship five times, World Heavyweight Championship five times, WWF or WWE Championship nine times, WWF Tag Team Championship twice, one time with Stone Cold Steve Austin, one time with Shawn Michaels, Unified WWE Tag Team Championship once with Shawn Michaels, King of the Ring of 1997, and WWE Hall of Fame Class of 2019 this year as part of D Generation X. Pro Wrestling Illustrated has also given him accolades, including Feud of the Year four times in 2000 versus Kurt Angle, 2004 versus Chris Benoit. 2009 versus Randy Orton, and 2013 versus Daniel Bryan. As much shit as we give Triple H for burying people, all of these feuds of the years were against young up-and-comers at that time. Mm-hmm. We got Match of the Year 2004 versus Chris Benoit and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 20, and he also got Match of the Year in 2012 versus The Undertaker in the Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania 28. He's had the Most Hated Wrestler of the Year, which for a heel is good, five different times. By himself, he had it 2003, 2004, and 2005. As a member of the Authority, he had it in 2013, and in 2014, he got it with Stephanie McMahon. As the Authority. (laughs) Ish, yeah. He also got Most Hated Wrestler of the Decade, 2000 through 2009. So this whole time, not only is he probably the wrestler of this decade, but he's also the most hated wrestler of this decade, which shows he's doing something right since hey, he was the heel. He's just a
1: prominent heel for the better part yeah. of 10 years.
0: He got wrestler of the year in 2008, and he was ranked number one of the top 500 singles wrestlers in PWI 500 in both 2000 and 2009. Wrestling Observer Newsletter That's a pretty good spread Nine years apart
1: from each other And you're still able to be Number one That is that
0: is, And they're both within our parameters of the 2000s Yes indeed He capped the 2000s He was number one at the beginning of 2000s And the literal end of the 2000s How can you argue our pick folks I dare you Please Do Try us Wrestling Observer Newsletter gave him Wrestler of the Year in two thousand, Feud of the Year three times, versus McFoley in two thousand, versus Chris Benoit and Shawn Michaels in two thousand four, and versus Batista in two thousand
1: five. But not twenty nineteen. No. He also got
0: the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame in two thousand five, and he got Best Booker in two thousand fifteen with Ryan Ward for NXT. Yeah. You can't argue that. No. Right? No. They're booking way better than WWE is booking.
1: You'd think he'd have it more than just one year. That's weird. He hasn't. NXT is easily one of the very top. If you don't qualify it as WWE, non WWE things. You know what I
0: say to that, pasty.
1: It's always cracking time with Macaron.
0: Damn right. Macaron. <clears throat> the Viking experience, Eric and
1: Macaron. Coming into the, I guess you could say, current era, 2010 and beyond, we had to give it to the man you cannot see, John Cena. Born as John Felix Anthony Sr. Cena Jr. Cena. Cena. You can't see me, though. but he's i see seen ya. Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Got to start in 1999, Ultimate Pro Wrestling California, under the training of Rick Bassman. The same man and federation that started the careers of Sting, the Ultimate Warrior, and Samoa Joe, who Cena actually feuded with while there. In 2002, he joined WWE under a rapper gimmick, using his real name but calling himself the Doctor of Thugonomics. Within a year, he was U.S. champ, even sporting custom spinner belt. That was on the U.S. championship? The original one, yeah. Wow. That's cool. when he introduced the, the spinner gimmick. It's nice to oh, know the spinner gimmick was on more than one belt. I guess that never crossed my radar. <clears throat> In 2005, he won the first of many WWE world titles, customizing the championship with a spinner as well. But it was 2010 when he really blew up, feuding with the entire Nexus faction and headlining 8 out of 13 pay-per-views, including 6 in a row. That trend had only increased in the next year when he headlined 10 pay-per-views out of 13, and 7 of those were in a row. His feud with The Rock garnered mainstream press and headlined WrestleMania two years in a row and was only billed as once-in-a-lifetime. Twice! Woo! Besides becoming the most recognizable in-ring competitor for WWE, he has gone on to appear in 18 movies, almost all of them in a starring role, appearing in a multitude of television shows starring in three and being a reoccurring host of both the Kids' Choice Awards and Saturday Night Live and put out his own solo album titled You Can't See Me and has appeared on a plethora of songs, including working with E-40 and Wiz Khalifa. I bought that album, sadly, in 10th grade.
0: I love how you just nailed appearing in a multitude of television sows. (laughs) That was my bad, but you nailed it with shows. You got to listen to the Cow Spiders. (laughs)
1: damn right Uh, the man has a list of career accomplishments including winning the Ohio Valley Wrestling Heavyweight Championship the Ohio Valley Wrestling Southern Tag Team Championship with Rico Constantino Ultimate Pro Wrestling Championship World Wrestling Entertainment he won World Heavyweight Championship three times World Tag Team Championship twice, once with Batista and once with Shawn Michaels. I don't remember either. I did not know he
0: had a Tag Team (laughs) Championship with Shawn Michaels. I didn't know either of them. I guess I don't know Batista, but I don't expect to remember that one. Shawn Michaels, you'd think you would remember. Yeah, he's won the WWE
1: Championship a total of 13 times. I love how in the history books, when they look at it, he's won the WWE Championship 13 times. That's the record that they told about. But Triple H, all of his reigns, World Heavyweight Championship, WWE Championship, put together, or what's (laughs) added up. Love it. He won the WWE Tag Team Championship twice, once with The Miz and once with David Otunga, both of which, again, I have no memory of. I know Otunga was when he was forced to be a part of the
0: Nexus. Oh. I don't remember The Miz one.
1: And he also won the United States Championship five times. Pacey, is it weird
0: that somebody as huge as John Cena will always be associated with the U.S. title? Like, not in a bad way, but that was his first title. He turned it into a spinner. And then after he became so huge he didn't need the world title, he, he had it again world. and created the U.S. Open. He
2: created
1: awesome. a tennis tournament? Or that's golf. One of the two. Boring either way.
2: (laughs) It wasn't boring when he
1: did it. (laughs) No. Ah! Pro Wrestling Illustrated totes him as Feud of the Year 2006 versus Edge. Feud of the Year 2011 versus CM Punk. Match of the Year five times in 2007 versus Shawn Michaels on Raw. 2011 versus CM Punk at Money in the Bank. 2013 versus Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam. 2014 versus Bray Wyatt in a Last Man Standing match at Payback. 2016 versus AJ Styles at SummerSlam. He was called the Most Improved Wrestler of the Year in 2003, Most Popular Wrestler of the Year four times in 04, 05, 07, and 2012. Wrestler of the Year 2006-2007. Surprise, there's not more of those. Right. Ranked number one of the top 500 singles wrestlers in the PWI 500 in 2006, 2007, and
2: 2013,
1: baby. Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Called him the best box office draw, 2007, best gimmick, 2003, best on interviews, 2007, feud of the year, 2011, CM Punk, match of the year, 2011, CM Punk and Money in the Bank on July 17th, most charismatic, 2006 through 2010, in a great four year spread, most charismatic of the decade, 2000 through 2009. Wrestler of the Year 2007 and 2010 Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame Class of 2012 Sports Illustrated Muhammad Ali Legacy Award Class of 2018 Springfield College Athletic Hall of Fame Inductee Simpsons Class of 2015 Make-A-Wish Foundation He's earned the Chris Gracious Celebrity Award Special recognition award for being the first to grant 300 wishes. So I just want
0: to say right now, out of every single accomplishment that any of these wrestlers have had, I'm not the biggest John Cena fan, but I think the make a wish foundation recognition award for the first person to grant 300 wishes is the hugest accomplishment or the most important co- accomplishment, maybe, of of any of them.
1: Yeah, I think so. It really takes him to the next level as a person. Not even as, as a, a person. wrestler.
0: Exactly. That that has nothing to do with being a wrestler. Although it does give so much goodwill towards pro wrestling that you have to, I guess, uh, account for that.
1: Well, and if he wasn't a wrestler, there wouldn't be anybody wishing to see him with there?
0: Uh not at this time
1: no, there, there wouldn't be 300 people wishing
0: to see John Cena the actor. I'll give you that.
2: Well, maybe seven. he
1: wouldn't have, he probably wouldn't have made his way to Hollywood without wrestling. We don't know that, but maybe seven.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll give him seven. I'm giving him seven. Okay. So what about this upcoming decade? Uh we gotta we gotta try to we gotta try to look into the future. In the year 2000!
1: In the year 2020. 2020!
0: Um, I got a few names. I don't know what we're, I don't know if we're throwing a few names out there. Just one name, if we're, what we're doing. Uh, we didn't go over this ahead of time, so... No, but you it was know, just an idea. Us. And if
1: we went through the last ten, we might as well go for predicting the next one in a rabid competition oh, that I we could it. probably both be wrong. <laughs> you know, we, well, we probably all, we, we probably will be wrong.
0: First of all, before we go into this, Pacey, yeah, I just want to, since we're already twenty-seven hours into this, yeah, three hours, three hours, which used to be an average show. Um, as it came down, you got into the 80s, and obviously Hulk Hogan owned the 80s, but you had to give it up to people like Bob Backlund, people like Andre the Giant, and Ric Flair, and who, who really made a big impact in the 80s. But I think mainstream, and I think of all time, you can't argue Hogan. Then you got into the nineties and that got really weird because Stone Cold didn't become big till 96, not till the end of the nineties. Right. Yeah. At the beginning, Hogan was the big draw. You also had Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels who were huge. Even Scott Hall before Stone Cold came about. But I don't, but as soon as Stone Cold came around, he broke all records and all barriers of anything ever. That includes the NWO, which was the biggest thing at the time, right? Oh, yeah. Then you go into the 2000s. Well, Triple H was only big in the 2000s for the first half of it. And you could argue John Cena was
1: huge in the latter half of it. Mm-hmm. Just, just as prominent, if not more. But uh, you,
0: Triple H had the reign of terror and John Cena was just starting his career. And then you go to the 2010s. And John Cena kind of got too big for his britches by the middle of the 2010s. By 2005, he was doing more movies than wrestling. And it's really got muddled because you have Roman Reigns, you have Brock Lesnar, and you have John Cena, as well as people coming in like AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. I think the fact that so many great wrestlers are in the 2010s muddled it so
1: much that you had to give it to John Cena. Well, I mean, you got to recognize John Cena has been the face of the company for a very long time. And if
0: we're talking (laughs) who's the wrestler of the decade, if you think a hundred years from now, when people look back and they're doing their shows, which aren't podcasts, obviously, but whatever they are, and they're ranking people. I don't think AJ Styles and I don't think Roman Reigns are going to stand out as much as John Cena. The same way Frank Gotch jumped out at me and Luthez jumped out at me and Vern Ghani jumped out mm-hmm. at me and there was no question. I think the people who were maybes on here, nobody's going to think about back then. They're going to be the
1: Jim Landis. <laughs> Poor Jim Jim Landis. No, I think I think in a good 50 years, I, I almost wonder you'd look at John Cena as the, the greatest wrestler. He,
0: ha- he is the only one who so far has the ability to surplus... Surplus! <laughs> surplus uh Surpass Hulk Hogan, I think, in all honesty. The only one. Um... Mm. Uh, You could say The Rock, but I think he left early enough in his pro wrestling career that he might make more of a name for himself in Hollywood than wrestling.
1: Yeah, and and where where he would surpass Hulk Hogan in wrestling, he would probably he will probably surpass The Rock in Hollywood. I, I don't think so. No, I think The Rock is surpassing
0: John Cena in Hollywood and Hulk Hogan. But I think both John Cena and Hulk Hogan surpassed The Rock in wrestling.
1: Hulk Hogan surpassed nobody in Hollywood.
0: I'm,
1: you know, Frank Stallone.
0: <laughs> I'm just putting it over. <clears throat> Holly Shore, maybe. Twenty twenty, pasty. The next ten years, who is going to be the if most? If I have to pick one person. I'm going with Marty Skirl, the villain. I think he could be the guy. I don't know. I have, I, I picked three people and I have even more on my list than that. But if I have to pick one, I think the villain, Marty Skirl has both the talent and the charisma and the business sense to move into the 2020s. You could argue a Cody Rhodes, and maybe, but I would argue that he's in the twilight of his career right now. Yeah, and he's not going to make that big of an impact in the 2020s. It's the same with the uh, Bucks. As the owner of a company, he'll
1: make a big impact, but correct. We didn't put Vince McMahon on the list. Wrestler, correct. Yeah,
0: (laughs) a hundred percent. You are with me there? So, what do you got?
1: Uh, I like your pick with Skrull, but honestly, I think to be on this list, you have to exist in the company that puts you in that place.
0: Okay, that makes
1: sense. Yeah, which makes things difficult. It's a weird time because we don't know what everything's going to look like in 10 I years. I know everything is so up in the air and the landscape
0: is changing more huge... and more
1: on a daily yeah. basis.
0: It might be back to the big three. It could be WWE, AEW, and MLW. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Maybe big four with Impact,
1: which I, Underground uh, still keeps getting renewed. I hate that I'm doing this, but knowing how the list goes, you really think Roman Reigns? Yeah, isn't he? Isn't he
0: also in the twilight of his career? You think Roman Reigns?
1: Well, a lot
2: of I'll the give people
0: you that. on the list
1: were more prominent at the end of the prior decade. Yeah,
2: yeah, and yeah.
1: into I'll, I'll the give you that. decade that they made the list, so they
0: built their name up in the previous decade and then hit a home run. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, I'll give you that. Roman Reigns could. Oh, I guess out of anybody, he'd be the least shocking. Otherwise,
1: yeah. secondarily, I would say Seth Rollins. But and I think that on one is Roman kind of safer right? to say because I think Seth has got a future. We
0: don't know. I would say Seth Rollins is older and probably more beat up than Roman. Yeah. So you're going with Roman? I think so. I like that. I'm securing my pick with Marty Scurll. All right. Um, I think you probably have the better chance, but I also think neither one of us, In 100 years, neither one of us will have the right guy for 2020. It's going to be somebody none of us even know about right now.
1: Right. Well, I mean, as history tells and things go, I mean, Marty (laughs) Skrull could, within the next 10 years, wind up in WWE himself. He could.
0: Or, dare I say, AEW in 10 years could equal WWE, and Marty Skrull could be a prominent fixture of that. Now, he's not even in there right now. He's a ROH guy. But, we all know he's going there. There you go.
1: I'm changing my answer to the Viking experience.
0: I bet you are.
1: (laughs) Pacey, we've gone
0: well over three hours. (laughs) Yes. Well over three hours, but this was a jam-packed 100th episode. 100th episode! And we'll be here for amazing. a thousand
1: more, folks. I, I super mean, super fun, super great. If Joe Rogan can break a thousand, I think we got this, buddy.
0: Yeah, we got this. To every one of you listening to this, we are so happy you've stuck with us for a 100 episodes. And if this is your first time listening, we're so happy you decided to listen to our 100th episode. We hope you enjoy it. There are more lists, there are more loss in translation, there's more news, there are more opinions. Pasty, take us out. I love you so much.
2: You're everything to me.
1: For Beefsticks Podcast. And my name is a white, white color called Ironic. I am Beefsticks Podcast, the host of Fat. Yes. See you at 101. It's going to be another party. Damn right. With that, I'm out. I'm still here. Okay, fine. I'll go away. You'll miss me one day.
0: I super mean I'm out
2: because I really got a piss right now.